Brett Anderson. Snap back. They give it off to Anthony Grant. Picks his way to the left. Inside the 40, 35, 30. Breaks the tackle. 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Nebraska. Who do you think you're fooling? Nobody is thinking about their job the day before a Husker game. What a finish to this football game. Memorial Stadium upside down right now. Three eligible to the near side. Back to throw is Morgan. Gets hit, dropped. Oh, he got drilled at the 18-yard line. Ty Robinson's second sack of the year. I think he took his shoes off with that hit. This is the Friday Husker Tailgate with Jack Mitchell, Caleb Henry, and Mike Schaefer. Brought to you by Syracuse Area Health, Strasburger Orthopedics on 1499.3 KLIN. Well, you may not be thinking about work the day before a game, but what about the day of a game? It's Husker Football Friday on KLIN, and glad to have you with us. We are kicking off a broadcast day that starts with the Friday Husker tailgate and will end... Well, Caleb, I don't know what time it will end. Probably sometime on uh, on Saturday morning. It'll, in it'll the wee end hours. tomorrow. In the wee hours. <laughs> Uh, with uh, with the game kicking off at 7, the post-game, the call-in show, and more. And hopefully a celebratory call-in show with Nebraska taking on Illinois. And what is sneakily, despite not being a game, obviously, is that at the, the top of any national list or even probably any conference list in terms of games you need to watch or big games, uh, it is... I think a real fulcrum here for Nebraska's season as they go into a bye week next week and have a shot here in the next four games to really put themselves in a position to be in the conversation for a bowl, right? To to be in that six-win conversation was something they haven't been in a long time or kind of play themselves out of it as they go toward the end of the season. The competition going forward is tonight. At Illinois, take a week off, heal up. Northwestern coming into Lincoln, Purdue coming into Lincoln, and then Nebraska going into Michigan State. Two of those four teams have uh, acquired an interim coach over the last month-ish, month and a half-ish. Uh, and then the other two teams have had their have had their struggles as well, but Nebraska has uh, also during this whole period. So here we go. Coming off a Michigan game where guys... And we'll have Mike Schaefer joining us here in just a second. But, uh, Caleb, there's just... I was at the game, and and I commented after the game. And I know you were there covering it, too. I commented after the game. I said, the the game was so... And I said this before the very end of it, before the Fleeks touchdown. But the game was so tough to watch and so kind of miserable for Nebraska fans because it's not only that Nebraska got beaten badly by a team that was better than them, by a team that may be one of the top one, two, three teams in the nation. But there were barely even in that game, like individual plays that had some sort of some sort of happiness that went alongside yeah. with them. And not only did Michigan dominate the game, they dominated play after play after play after play. Josh Fleeks Josh Fleeks cleaned that up a little bit at the very end of the game in, in garbage time. But that was why that felt so demoralizing at the time. And that's why when you kind of look back and try and talk about it now, there isn't there isn't a whole lot to say other than my main question, which is, 
okay, do we need to reevaluate, especially what we think this Nebraska defense is? Because you came into that game saying this is the strength of the team, this is the side of the ball that you're going to have to depend on to get some wins in the Big Ten this year when we were talking about the scenario where Nebraska could pull an upset against Michigan, which now obviously we know wasn't going to happen, but it was focused around that defense being strong, the rush defense being incredibly strong, forcing a lot of punts, getting some turnovers. Uh, no turnovers again. I think a couple of punts forced during the game, but Michigan largely was able what they wanted to do what they wanted to do, not only on the ground, but through the air. So I guess my question is now, <laughs> after you've had this season where the defense has been incredibly solid um, to start the season, statistically has looked very good at times, leading the nation at sacks at a moment, leading the nation in rushing defense in the moment, Really still statistically overall, when all is said and done, still actually looks pretty good. I believe they're still a top 15 team in rushing defense. Mm-hmm. P- pretty okay still in, in total defense. Where do you see this defense and how it plays into Nebraska's chances of success in the Big Ten season now? Did not change my outlook one bit. Not at all, really. Well, Michigan's on a different level compared to any team Nebraska played to that point or will see the rest of this season. So it becomes a giant outlier in anything that we look at. No, they couldn't really get pressure. Well, guess what? Michigan's got a bunch of dudes that have either been there for a four, for a few years, or they go out and they get some of the best transfers on their offensive line. Like That's going to be really hard to get pressure. And Matt Rule talked this week, and we'll have it in sound off, that they've been trying to get pressure with four guys and not, not send extra dudes. That just it, it hasn't it, happened. It, it didn't work the last two weeks. Yep. It especially wasn't going to work against Michigan. Um, I, I know they the defense didn't have a whole lot of success. Had a couple of punts, but the first punt that Michigan had, I thought was just poor play calling on their part. They got greedy and went to two pass plays right away. And yeah. I, I know you were like, "Well, they're passing for everything." I was like, "Yeah, but if you run for five yards on first down." The whole playbook opens up for a second yeah. and five and third and five, and that that's where they had, they had been breading their butter up into that point. So it was kind of just offensive coordinator gave Nebraska defense that one. Yeah, I agree. But 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 still, over the course of the game, there there wasn't a lot of success all over the place. Michigan's just on a different level, and that's why after the game, I asked Matt Rule and I I said, what improvements need to happen? I think we all have our opinions on it. But what improvements need to happen to build Nebraska from where it is now as its baseline to where Michigan is because that's where you want to be? And he started out by saying, I can't answer that, and then proceeded to give me about a three-minute answer about recruiting and developing and (laughs) coaching the guys up, which is, I think that that, that's the basics for what you got to do. You got to get guys in that are at a a higher level than, than what you have, and you have to develop them to a higher level than what you have, and that's not a knock on any of the guys that are here because there are some really good guys on defense especially. There are some good good guys on offense. There have just been a lot of injuries, and, and you've had a system change. So for me, the Michigan game didn't really change the outlook. I expected it to, to not necessarily go well. I didn't expect it to get out of hand that early. Um, I, I thought maybe some things would, would go Nebraska's way, but... You saw bounces go nowhere for Nebraska. A guy muffs a punt, and it bounces right to him. Heinrich Harburg throws a pass, goes off an arm, and falls perfectly yep. to, to the guy for an interception. Yep. So so the, the bounces didn't go Nebraska's way either, and sometimes you create your own luck. But if it's specifically about 
how this defense played through four games and then the Michigan game, and what does that mean for these the, these final seven? Not not changing my mind on on what this defense is and what they're capable of with this schedule. Yeah, uh, it, yeah, it's uh, and, and maybe it's a little bit of a combination too of what we saw in the Louisiana Tech game. That that, that Louisiana Tech game it was just you I, you just saw a different situation with the tackling than you had seen before. And as long as Nebraska can keep can keep that solid tackling going, I have some confidence in this mm-hmm. in this defense, in the personnel, in the depth. Um, in 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 the scheme and the ability to take on the types of offenses that they will, they, they I do think they'll have the chance if they continue to tackle. They do have the chance to keep this this team in every game now. And the tackling wasn't necessarily bad against Michigan either. You you, you know it was just Michigan had guys that if you throw the ball to him and he catches it eight yeah. yards downfield yeah. and he picks up two after the catch. Well, that's great. You held them to two yards after the catch, but that's already ten yard pickup. Right. They were just able to slice and dice everything. It was it was it was a market improvement from the week before, but the talent level and who you were tackling was also right. a, a giant leap up. And you just you know you just didn't see you you, you didn't see the thing that you had seen in all of the other games so far for the defense, Louisiana Tech included, is that you saw individuals kind of step up and. You know, make repeated plays mm-hmm. in that game and looked like some of the best players on the field. And this is kind of what uh, Matt Rule alluded to after the game. He said, "Look, we got guys. We got guys on this team that are going to be playing in the NFL. We got guys who are in. In we got guys who can wreck games. Mm-hmm. And you didn't. You, and he's right. You didn't see him. And he didn't name names. But I mean, you can probably figure. I mean, listen, Hutmaker's had a great season, but he didn't impact that game a whole lot." Mm-hmm. You, you you talk about a guy like him there at that point, right? Your defensive backfield, and you know Quentin Newsom can can only do so much, but he's an NFL type player. He didn't get in there as an individual and and affect that game. That's what this defense is going to need is going to need some of those guys, and it doesn't help, of course, that you've got Cam Lenhart's one of those guys. He's hurt, right? Nick Henry, or not Nick Henrich, but uh, Reimer is one of those guys. He's hurt. Deshaun Singleton, one of those guys, he gets hurt early in the game as well. And so, I mean, I agree with Rule on what he said there. You have got to have guys who are, you, you just, you had nobody making individual big plays yeah. in that game. They just weren't there on defense, where you they definitely were there throughout the rest of the year. That mm. was the biggest difference. Like like you said, I think the tackling as a whole was was fine, was still pretty solid. They didn't really get gashed for huge plays. I think the longest run was still 21 yards yeah. against them yeah, like at they, that they, point. They're like, not giving up giant yeah, plays. Th- that's the weird thing about it, right? I mean, I guess you can say it's too much bend but don't break, Um and and eventually you're going to still you know they're going to move down the field with that whole thing, but those aren't the, those weren't the issues against Michigan. It is kind of precisely what Rule said was nobody was going out there and making a big play at any point. Mm-hmm. It was just a, a little bit here, a little bit here, a little more there. Yeah, you would hope that like if if there is a a strong disappointment with this defense in knowing what their level is and knowing what Michigan's is. If there is a strong disappointment, it's that there weren't a couple of just plays that you went, hey. That that guy made something happen on that sack, play. tackle well, for loss, fumble. Yeah, even, even just the Hutmaker just breaks off. He he gets a one on one in the middle of the line, mm-hmm. and he gets through. Yeah, and and, and forces 
the the quarterback to throw one away. Like like there there weren't a whole lot of those to where you made them make a lot of decisions. Yeah. Quint, like you said, Quentin Newsom can only do so much. But what does that mean for the rest of your secondary? Right. That means you know he has eliminated a portion of the field. Yeah. And now you are going to have more opportunities. And those guys just haven't taken. We saw Omar Brown a little bit earlier in the year. Um, Singleton's done a little bit, but guys aren't stepping up to the point where they're forcing the the offensive coordinators to go. Oh, I'm going to challenge you. They challenge them in the first half and go. That might be a mistake. Well, we know Newsom's good, but maybe we need right. to throw a couple that way because we haven't we haven't challenged him. What <laughs> can we do there? If if Nebraska's defense doesn't step up in the places that are going to be challenged. You can't lean into some of those other guys That's that you point, know yeah. the defense. They, like they're set up there. Quentin Newsom is right there, and offensive coordinators and offenses are going to go away from those guys. Nebraska's defense is not taking advantage enough of knowing that that ball is going to go to a different side of the yeah. field. And, and I, I think almost what you're talking about is displayed probably best by the Louisiana Tech game almost more than anything. It's where this defense, in the end, the numbers are solid, right? The, mm-hmm. It looks solid for the most part. 14 points were scored. One of them was in garbage time. But on the other hand, and it was a little bit about scheme too, but on the other hand, there wasn't a ton that scared you mm-hmm. about that. And I would say that was different than it felt probably against Colorado, especially at the beginning of the game, or Northern Illinois, or or Minnesota. And they need to figure out how to get back to, to where they were with some of that. And a part of it is... Uh, is obviously competition with Michigan, but they're playing a team this week in Illinois. I'll tell you what, that is an opportunity. That, if, if, yeah. we, if we're looking at what the last two weeks have been about, there haven't really been quarterback pressures, yeah. they haven't really been taking the ball away. Yep. Well, you're looking in the mirror here, guys. Th- yeah. This is a team that gives up quarterback pressure and that has turned the ball over and their defense doesn't take it away. Yeah. So There's, like like they've uh, they've been sacked 21 times. If there is a time to dial up and you're sending five guys, you're sending six guys, this is the week to do that because they have not held their quarterback up. There's a good chance you'll see multiple quarterbacks if they continue to give up hits like that. They give the football away at the wrong times. Tell me if any of this sounds familiar. And their defense doesn't take it away. So if you take care of the football, you get pressure on their quarterback, there's a phenomenal opportunity to feel good for two weeks. Yeah, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. And I think I think the conclusion we're both getting to is we kind of talk this out, and I think it's similar to what Matt Rule was getting at, and you'll probably play some of the clips here in a bit about this, but this defense can't go through this season just being solid if Nebraska is going to take a big step forward, if Nebraska is going to be competing for a bowl game or get involved in the West Division mm-hmm. title talk into the month of November. They can't do it. They can't Listen, they can't, they can't stay in... You know, even if they're the twentieth run defense in the nation, right? Even if they're a top twenty run defense in this whole thing, even if they're only giving up fifteen points a game or something like that, right? It's going to take those exact things you were just talking about: making plays, pressuring quarterbacks, tackles for losses, sacks, turnovers. You're going to have to have that. You're going to have to have big individual performances. That's not saying individual over team performance, but you're going to have to have those things that Matt Rule was talking about and the guys who can wreck games actually doing it and wrecking games because they haven't for the last two weeks. I don't have the all of the team rankings pulled up in front of me, but you talk about Nebraska being a from from being a top five run defense statistically. Yes. They're to, four, they're fourteenth right yeah, they're, now. Yeah, they're fourteenth. Say you finish the year in the top twenty. Well, guess what, guys? The Big Ten West is going to fill up a lot of those top twenty five run defense yeah. spots too. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. so so when you go through there you're like, all right, well you're you're in a good spot. 
But that's what the Big Ten West is built to do, is to run the ball and and stop the run. Obviously, we, we got some some schedules, some matchups when divisions go away. We'll talk about that later on in the tailgate. But this is what you're supposed to do. Yeah. How do you take this defense from what they're supposed to do to going, that's, as Matt Rule would say, that's elite or at the very least phenomenal. I don't know what order of our superlatives any of those go, but you got to be better than just solid. Yeah, let me get to your point about statistical rankings, and this illustrates our point, I think, perfectly here. As you said, rush defense, they're still 14th, even after, even after Michigan. They're still up in the top, top of all of college football. <laughs> it just tells you how stupid it was, like, right. how they played those first and four. Even Nebraska, you know, Nebraska's pass efficiency defense, 52nd in the nation. So, top third, uh, well, a little, a little below top third, top half, top, uh, above average when yes. it comes to pass efficiency defense. But, Turnover margin, and that factors in the offense's yeah. turnovers too. It's 122nd. These are the getting plays stats, right? These are the getting, these are the wrecking, the wrecking the offense stats. Turnover margin. Creating turning points. 122. Red zone defense, 95. Mm-hmm. Third down percentage defense, 95. So, <laughs> great, you're giving up a two yard run on first and second down and making a good tackle there at that point. But when it's third down or they're in the red zone or you need a turnover, those are all the inflection points where those plays aren't happening. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's – and that's going to be, frankly, these next four games, that is – whether those plays are happening or not from this defense, we haven't even talked about the offense because, frankly, it is going to be the defense that's going to have to win these games, have to do these things. If they don't do these things that we're talking about frequently, sacks, turnovers, third down stops, red zone stops, those sorts of things, making plays, tackling well, then they're not going to have a, a spe- – but if that they turn into a defense who's doing that more regularly, even if they're a little bit shorthanded – then I think they you can start looking at a three and one. You can yeah. start talking about a four and zero oh in those games. There's no reason you shouldn't with this defense. But and and by the way, Caleb, part of this too is the the scheme has got to allow for that, right? This I mean, the, and I know especially against Louisiana Tech, the idea was and it was the right thing to win the game. Right? They win twenty eight fourteen. They're rushing three guys most of the time. Well, they, they're giving they a cushion. That, they kind of played that game the same way Michigan played their first four. And I think a little bit. Michigan turned it on a little bit against Nebraska because they wanted to prove something. But Michigan just ho-hummed their first four games. Right. Nebraska kind of ho-hummed Louisiana Tech a little bit Mm -hmm. to where they weren't showing a whole lot. Yeah. Obviously, there was a little bit here and there. But they... Nebraska was going to be the better team and just said, by the end of this, we're going to come out in front. Yeah. Yeah. And then, I guess, in terms of of the offense, and uh, and Mike Schaefer joins us right now, too... um, I ho hum showing up on time. Hello, good, 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 good to have you here. We were just talking, talking, Mike, just a little bit about kind of the difference between being a a solid defense and a playmaking defense, and how important that is. And you know, the Michigan game, and I think the Louisiana Tech game too, kind of illustrates that difference and how important taking that next step is going to be. Well, you you asked me a question. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested in, in Mike on, on your opinion on this. On I said the Michigan, what their offense did to Nebraska's defense did not change my overall outlook on this defense for the rest of the season because of how big of an outlier the Michigan program is compared to the rest of the schedule. How did how did you view? Nebraska's defense from this last Saturday and what that means their their capability their ceiling is for this season. 
Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much in a similar boat. I mean, I, I think Michigan and what they're able to do is so different than what Nebraska faces on their schedule. I don't know that there's a team that is nearly as balanced uh, and as good on on both ends of it. I mean, I don't know that you're going to – like you might have just faced the best rushing attack and best passing attack that you're going to face in one offense. <laughs> um, so the, the, only, the only thing that could be close – Maryland, I think, can really throw the ball, really move the ball. Otherwise, everybody else has a lot of issues. Um, and that doesn't mean Nebraska can't make them look good uh, because they, they have to tackle better than they have the last two games out. I mean, I, I think if there's one thing that has kind of reared its head in this whole discussion, because I do agree with the idea they weren't bringing much pressure in terms of either team, and I think part of that was by design, Um they have to tackle better when they're in space. I mean, I I think Javen Wright, who's a largely important piece to this defense, he had a bad tackling day against Michigan, which is interesting because if you look at the pro football focus grades, he graded out as like their second highest defender. So obviously if he had tackled a little bit better, um, you know, things would look even better there. So it's not like he had necessarily a bad day, but it's just small stuff that can be cleaned up. And then the the hard thing for me is I don't, Initially, after that Minnesota game, it's like, okay, wow, when they start taking the ball away, watch out for this defense. I just don't know that they're going to start doing that. I mean, they're not putting themselves in position to even deflect passes most of the time. And then you have situations like Saturday's first touchdown. That should be an interception. And I think for yeah. 70% of teams, that's an interception. Yeah. For this team and for the last decade, that has not been an interception for Nebraska. Mm-hmm. So at some point, we just have to and, acknowledge it. And is a part of that, too, the the – the scheming of this, de- I mean, a big part of it probably is, is is like, I wonder, I know, you know, Rule is talking about needing some guys who are going to wreck defense. At some point, do you have to be a little bit more aggressive maybe than they've been the last two weeks with the way the defense has been called? Uh, yes, I, I do, and I think we will see them be more aggressive against yeah. Illinois because of it. Um, that doesn't necessarily lead to more takeaways, though, because it, like, one of the things, you don't see Nebraska ripping the ball out. On defense, like you don't They're not see them punching at it, at right? All. And it's weird because the coaches talk about how that they work on that stuff, but we don't see it in the run of play, and we aren't seeing a lot of pass deflections. And so, what this tells me is the scheme is pretty good. The players kind of are what they are, and this is what you're going to get. And so, the idea being, you get a few more talented individuals individually, you're going to probably come away with some more takeaways because of that individual's talent. Yeah. I don't know that the defense itself is just going to start forcing these things unless you just have a team just start giving the ball right. away. Nebraska style like and, they did against Colorado. And I get that and so I get that. So maybe and maybe I'm making a different point then. There's just something that looked different and I don't know where it is and I think rule it, rule was referencing this when he talked this week. There was something that looked different about sort of the aggressiveness. The yeah, they weren't. They, played they with were against Minnesota and Colorado, first three quarters of Colorado, mm-hmm. ver, ver, and probably in a little bit Northern Illinois versus the last two games. Yeah. Michigan, and, and when it wasn't just about Michigan's quality, because it was Louisiana Tech, mm-hmm. too. I don't know what that Minnesota game, I mean, that defense looked. I mean, it, that defense looked yep. impressive. It looked really impressive. I think a lot of it's up front. I mean, they just haven't looked as good up front outside of Nash. I mean, Ty Robinson hasn't been as active as it felt like he was against Maybe Minnesota. Lenhart not being there. Lenhart hasn't big played part of since the Colorado game, basically. Um, I I don't think he played against Northern Illinois. Or maybe he did. Maybe that was... No, he went... 
uh, didn't go down against him. Well, regardless. Yeah, and so, you know, getting him back I think will be helpful. But, yeah, I, I think that's I think that's a fair observation. Um, I I do feel like the defense wasn't as crisp by any means against Michigan. Like, it didn't feel like the same yeah. team Yeah, right from the start. By the way, Lenhart, you needed that first drive to tell you that, yeah, this isn't going to happen today. Right. Like I, I think everyone in the press box, halfway before they even scored that touchdown, just the way Michigan was moving the ball, yeah, it was like, yeah. okay, this is it's going to be that kind of day. Yeah, Lenhart did uh, play, got participated against Northern Illinois, but didn't register any tackles. Okay. Didn't, didn't so so he was pretty quick in there. Yeah, 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 and and, and my yeah, like to your point, my again. Sure, Michigan's going to do it. Michigan's going to score. There just there just weren't plays. There weren't individual plays sprinkled mm. throughout the game where it was like, oh, Hushma, Hut, Hutmaker blew that play up, right? Yep. Or, or you know, Newsom jumped a route, right? And and like the guys that, as rule said, can wreck offenses where they were doing it even on individual plays in that game. And I think yep. that was, I think that's why he went away so fired up and and frustrated after. Well, that and I also thing. think, and and obviously I was late here today, but. I think the biggest point of this week, to me, from a, a narrative structure of what this team is and what it wants to be, is Rule very much recognizes what's in front of him for the month of October, and he knows they need to show up tonight. Mm-hmm. And they can't just kind of like, you know, partially get into this game. Yeah. They have to show up from the beginning of this game. Because yeah. you have a chance with a bad Illinois team, and Nebraska's not good either, but you have a chance with a bad Illinois team that if you show up right away, they might just go away. Yeah. But yeah. that's where their season's at, too. Yeah. And I think Rule recognizes that. Yeah, And we'll get into what he said. The tone was an interesting one here this week. We'll what a see unique if, week. Yeah, we'll see if uh, we can see it when we see them take the field tonight against Illinois. All right, Friday Husker Tailgate game day edition is underway at 631. We'll take a break. We'll get into the Friday Husker Tailgate sound off right after this on KLIN. When you're thinking Huskers. Making a catch at the 10, 5, that is a touchdown, Nebraska. Think 1499.3 KLIN. Welcome back to the Friday Husker Tailgate. Brought to you by Syracuse Area Health, Strasburger Orthopedic on 1499.3 KLIN. But first, Fantasy Huskers keyword for a chance at a $100 prize pack from Valentino's at Alumni Hall. All right, it's time. Fantasy Huskers. Only two spots left. It's Fantasy Huskers Grid Game Edition this week, where our 10 draft picks, each one of them is a single digit number, which will be, if you're right, the last digit of Nebraska's score. So if you want to. Uh, you get a, it's a it's a one out of two choice here in this situation if you get this. Hey, pick. We, we've eliminated right. decision making. Right. Okay, as, as uh, if you're watching on the Facebook stream, which Kenny Larrabee is uh, helping us with today. Here are the uh, the numbers that are picked. Keith picked zero. Tina picked one. Midtown Dave picked three. Lawyer John picked four. Lawyer John, that's a new one. That Paul picked five. Uh, Russ and Adams has six. Holmes Lake Doug has seven, and Deb has eight. So that leaves two and nine. Two and nine. Two and nine. Which would also not be a really good record. Yeah. yeah. What What are you taking, Caleb? Two or nine? If you have the choice, I think I'd I'm take, going nine. I would go nine. Go yeah, nine. Like nineteen or twenty nine seems more likely than two, twelve, or twenty two. Nine. Or also, or fifty nine. You know, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, I, I see you stopped short on that one, but okay. Uh, 
So, uh, so if you want to get this pick and take your choice between two and nine, you need to uh, text us right now with our keyword, which is champagne. Scared me there a little bit. Uh, using a sentence, please. This game is being played in champagne, and afterwards they'll drink champagne. No, no. yeah, it's it's the town. Crud! I'm a little scared about this one. Capital C H. A-M-P-A-I-G-N. Champagne. Champagne. All right. That's good. That's Figured good. you just have that committed to memory. I think I, I mean, I thought I would. I type it. I think I spell it right usually. But when you have to do it verbally and, and you know, talking. When you talk a big mil- game about your ability right. to spell. Talking to millions of people, two, it and... gets a little nerve wracking here. It's easy. Yeah, but I, we've replaced a lot of your ability to spell with. Just simple knowledge of the history of the Fordham Ram. So that's true. That that is kind of just Very taking up true. everything. Four zero two four seven nine fourteen. On the quarterback thing, is you that was spelled correctly. Everything's you fine. officially yeah. botched that one. No, it's, everything's uh, fine. It was yes. correct. Uh, all right, let's listen uh, in this conversation for sure, and let's get into what was said at the press conferences this week. Caleb, what do you have for us? Um, let me see what I have. For okay, go for ahead us. and see what you've got for us. Or you uh, know. Matt Rule talked about injuries. Uh, Deshaun Singleton uh, hurt his knee. He'll be out for an extended period of time. I expect to have him back at some point. I don't know when that'll be, so Deshaun will be out this Friday. Uh, Luke Reimer um, uh, out of the hospital, uh, back and forth kind of a little bit. So uh, Luke Luke won't play this Friday, but hopefully we'll have Luke healthy and back with us here soon. So Unbelievable. Not only is my entire team... Thinking about myself here instead of the team, my entire <laughs> yeah the, helmet the least important my entire is. helmet stickers team of Urban Isaiah Irving Isaiah Isaiah geez, Isaiah Garcia Castaneda and Luke Reimer now out for the time being. Well, I have Thomas Fedoni too, um, but but I yes last week I gave new uh, Deshaun Singleton my helmet sticker because I loved how he played and then he goes out immediately mm-hmm. out there. Um, but guys, yeah, in terms of in terms of those. How do you expect? I, you know, we kind of really saw it last week because Reimer didn't play last week. Singleton went out really early. I guess the biggest impact seems to be at that defensive back position. I think a because of what the way Singleton was playing, but b it requires some guys to sort of might kind of change position and shuffle around there is what they did uh, during Michigan. And I'm not sure they may have more time and do it a little bit differently this week, but that's what you had to do against Michigan. Yeah. I talked to, to people smarter than I, uh, Brunson BC, and they both answered that Deshaun Singleton is a bigger loss of the two um, in large part because of just how well he could come up from that safety spot and fill and run support. And that was that. a big part of your, Kind of your run defense. I mean, you had guys at, at all three levels uh, that could be pretty surefire tacklers and, and playmakers there and Nash and and Luke Reimer and, and Singleton, and now you lose two of those pieces. Reimer is more replaceable because John Bullock and, and Nick Henrich, I think, are going to do more than a capable job in that spot. But you still liked his speed. You liked his, his athleticism. But with Singleton, it felt like you had someone really emerging, not just as like, okay, solid player here, but someone that feels like it was going to be a key part of your defense for the rest of this year and into the next couple. And so I, I think that one really hurt um, kind of the what you were hoping to develop there. I mean, you're you're hoping that that young man would be able to play a full season, and then you're talking about someone who I believe he'd still have two more years of eligibility that could really kind of be a leader in, in everything on your defense. And there's no reason that he can't. 
But it's like you've already lost Marcus Buford from that spot. Yep. Now you've lost uh, Deshaun Singleton. You're hoping to get both of those guys back at some point, but you know we'll see. Yeah. Um, you're down to to Gifford and Brown. Uh, you could move Hartzog over, but then that requires a shuffling at corner. And that means probably more Tommy Hill at corner, which means less Tommy Hill availability at wide receiver. Or you're moving in Lynham, who has started to play a little bit more, or you're starting to rely on a freshman. So you can start to see the cracks as we get further into this season, how little depth that they started with, and how quickly, and really kind of how brutal a lot of these injuries are. Yeah. Like it. It, it's wild. They're not getting like the nagging one or two week hamstring injury. Right. They're getting the, yeah, you're not playing again this year, right. or mm-hmm. or you may not. Maybe we'll see you for Iowa. Yeah, you know. So right. that's that's pretty rough. But that's just kind of how the breaks go. Well, and I was I was surprised at how quickly both of those guys answered Deshaun Singleton. And then you go back and you look. He's really been kind of important for a lot of reasons to what they're trying to do. Yeah, um, and throw in there too. I mean, beginning you, you go to the beginning of the year and you had Miles Farmer who looked like he was going right. to be a part of of this whole thing too. And so no Buford, no Miles Farmer. One Farmer. of the reasons Miles Farmer left is that Deshaun Singleton straight took his job. Yeah. Okay. I mean, well, there you and go. So I, I think like the play of what we've seen from those safeties and Brown and Singleton and Gifford and his role yeah. has really you know been a a core part of how that defense started the year. So to lose one of those guys is really impactful. And and more failing Sanford, it sounds like, this week, too, who got yeah. some... Yeah, got expected some, to get the start. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he got, got some... I mean, he's solid player. Benkelman, right? Got some time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Benkelman, Nebraska. I, I, I looked this stat up earlier. I mentioned it on the show yesterday. Uh, out of the 22 or 23 positions listed on the depth chart, there are only 10 of them that do not have a Nebraskan in the two deep at mm-hmm. that position. So over half the positions have a Nebraska at the two deep, mm-hmm. which, you know, it's... Uh, I don't know if that's when the last time that happened was, but that's pretty impressive. Uh, All right, what else do we have going on, Caleb? Well, I believe that one of the ways you can help out some of that defense and cover up some of those places with injury is getting back to getting some pressure on the quarterback. Yeah. And Matt Rule talked about that on Monday. We've been going with a little bit more four-man rush, a little bit more coverage. Um, There were some times in this game, again, when I say we're better than we play, like Prince Will won a couple times, Uh, Jamari won a couple times. The ball was out really quickly because, you know, just the coverage, you know, again, we moved a lot of guys around, but still, like, you know, hey, we're supposed to drop down over number three, and that guy runs to the post, and the guy's wide open, he throws the ball. So I think I think we can get pressure. The, to me, you know, we have to have the ability to get pressure with four. You can't always, like against Colorado, we were bringing five and six and seven, right? Um, we have to be, have the ability to get pressure with four guys, and uh, kind of goes back to what I'm saying about attacking, right? Like you can't rush trying to keep the guy in the pocket. We have to rush, and Altmaier's an excellent player. He can run. He's athletic, but we can't just sit there and blitz all day and play, you know, straight man across the board. We're going to have to rush and let our pass rushers rush. And so we um, we've been trying to emphasize it, but uh, we're not getting the necessarily the results. Michigan at the same time does a nice job of you know they're going to chip, they're going to protect, and they're going to trust their their guys to win, and their guys won on some big. Play. Yeah. I, I disagree that you can't blitz all day because that's exclusively how I play Madden. <laughs> that's true. Pretty much how Brian Flores calls an NFL defense, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting question, guys. Do, do Does this team have the capability against the competition that is coming up to generate a consistent pass rush without dedicating, you know, six, seven guys coming in if you've just got three, four that are going in? And who was the biggest key to that whole thing? What do you think, Mike? 
It feels like it's Lenhart, right? Because he's sort of your best pass rusher, mm-hmm. or what we've seen so far this year. I mean, I, I, we, I don't want to say we know what Ty Robinson is, but we've seen enough Ty Robinson to know that you're probably not getting like a three sack game out of him. Um, you know, but you might get, you might get some pressure. You might get a sack. You might get a sack and a half, but it's going to require you know some movement, um, that kind of thing. Like I, I don't know that they just have someone in their personnel grouping that I just anticipate is going to have a big day by himself. Yeah, that's, and what part I'm, of it, that's what I'm getting to, yeah. Part of it for both Louisiana Tech and Michigan, and, I'm, and Rule said this in the clip, both of those teams kept guys in to chip and to help. Like, one of the things that was funny about that Nebraska-Louisiana Tech game, Louisiana Tech would sometimes keep a tight end or two people in to help pass protect, and Nebraska was only sending three. Right, so, it's so then three they had on seven. They yeah. had eight in coverage, and Louisiana Tech only had like three receivers, <laughs> and they were still kind of picking some stuff apart there. Yeah. So that's a little concerning. Right, and then Michigan, it was similar where Nebraska would only send four, and Michigan would keep the tight end in. So then they'd have six, and your quarterback seven. So then it's seven against four. And they were still kind of – so some of it, yes, pass rush has to be better. They're also really soft in coverage, and right. everyone knows it. And it's been evident since that first game against Minnesota. And and this is why I get to what I said in the last segment is some of this – you want, I understand what he says. You want guys – ideally, of course, you want to be able to put three guys up on the line, four guys up on the line, and not have to blitz to create pressure. That said, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't do that yeah. every once in a while, right? Well, some of it to me is blitzing to disrupt what they're trying to do. Right. So, like, if they, you know, you might get caught in a blitz, but at the same time, you're hanging, you're you're winning in terms of numbers, and you're still losing in terms of their ability to right. throw. Like, that doesn't, that's not a net positive there. Yes. So, you have to disrupt that every now and then. Even, yeah, I go back to the Colorado game. They had some really well-timed, Colorado's defense, which hasn't been great. They had really well-timed run blitzes against Nebraska, too. Yeah. And I, I think you've got it right. I understand why against, you know, maybe maybe a Louisiana Tech and, and a Michigan, why you may play that way a little bit. And you say, hey, we can't get killed deep, right, by Michigan. we got to make this game a possession game. And hopefully, you know, they get an incomplete pass here at some point. Don't hit the receiver. I think with the competition and the offenses that are coming up, particularly Illinois, Northwestern, Michigan State, especially, I don't think there's any reason why you can't be too. You need to be too conservative or say uh, that hey, we gotta we gotta make sure and not get killed, not get beat. We bend but don't break. I hope the I hope the I hope you take advantage of the things. I think the team plays better. Yeah. I think they look better. Well, when, when they've got that opportunity, and he wants he wants guys to shine, right? He wants individuals to shine. I think you got to kind of kind of let them let them play that way a bit. Yeah, and who knows? I mean, we haven't covered rule before. He might say this, and then they might turn around and blitz the hell out of him. Yeah, that's because true. Because they're not anticipating. Yeah, that's true. That that's I hope they do. So, I honestly hope they do. I mean, we we have never covered Matt Rule, so we don't I mean, we don't know what it's like. We don't know what his games been like. At this point, like. I don't, don't need to see uses the media. I don't need to see Quentin Newsom. You know, way back on deep cut. Give me Quentin Newsom man to man without any help against their best receiver. Right? That I don't know that you're going to get a lot of. Why? I just I don't. You know? think that's what they play. I, I think that they they are going to stay in the soft shell coverage. Like I think that's they're going to blitz, but I think you're going to get that that kind of shell. Like I think that's just how they they play their coverage. <sighs> and they're they're banking that eventually they're going to have defensive backs that break on the ball as it's in the air uh, and put themselves in better spots than where these guys are. At. And banking on making that tackle every time too. Yeah, both of those yeah. things. It's not a. 
Yeah. It's not how I would like things. I mean, I'm more in no, the Caleb Henry, like, man across the board, send three extra. <laughs> I, it's just know. like I see. Let, a, let athletes go be athletes. I don't know. It's like I see a pass athletes. going up, and I want to Athletes. I, I Talking see, about your Madden players as athletes. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, this guy's got 74 speed. Uh, this should work for me. I'm going to let him on an island. That's my dude. That's why I drafted him in the second round, all right? I, I, listen, that's what I would do with Quentin Newsom right now. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right, what else we got? So Rule was asked if, the setup on this, Rule was asked if this was a good time to go on the road. Like, it's a good time to go on the road. And he kind of danced right. around it a little bit, but then went into a longer discussion, got some stuff off his chest about the team's mindset. We got it. Kind of how I really feel. I'm trying to get the players to stop thinking about all of this other stuff, like play. Like, so, okay, we put, went out and played Minnesota. We played good football against Minnesota. We were flying around on defense. We were hitting people. We looked the way it's supposed to look. And then some things went wrong, right? We got a bad call at the end of the half. We scored a touchdown. It doesn't go our way. Okay, great. Whatever. We come back. We battle. We fumble the ball at the end of the game. We throw a pick. We lose the game. We go to Colorado. We're playing. We're playing pretty well, right? We had three turnovers. I want to talk about the turnovers. I keep saying to the guys, like, it was 13-7 with six minutes left in the third quarter. We lost 36-13. Like, we kind of accepted the fact that we were going to lose. And so, to me, Bill Walsh said it, you know, champions behave like champions before they're champions. They have a winning standard. So, I want a winning mindset. And, um, you know, we played Northern Illinois. We played La Tech, you know. We're a defensive football team. The defense has to learn that we're a defensive football team. They've got to play great defense while the offense throws, you know, kind of plays body blows. We don't leave the offense out there in four wides, dropping back and throwing it 50 times a game. We, we did that the last couple of years, right? And everyone said, hey, it, does, it doesn't work here. So why would the defense want us to still keep doing that? So I'm saying all that to say that we've got to get to the point where we go out and play and it doesn't matter if I'm getting double teamed as a D lineman. It doesn't matter what the call is. It doesn't matter if we're down 14 nothing. We got to play, and um, that's the winning mindset. And whereas the guys have to again, kind of probably not listen to everything that's out there. What you should be doing? There's no you should be doing. At least in this building, it's like go play. It's a football game. So, Steve, I expect our, our we have some really good players. They're going to play in the National Football League. They they need to show up. Like they need to show up. Like the good players from Michigan, I, I, know, I can tell you who they were because I watched them on the field, okay? Our really good players need to show up. And that's not me calling anybody out. That's me giving them confidence that I believe they can do it. There's a big difference, right? I'm not calling anybody out by name. We have guys that I believe on our team can absolutely wreck a game. And I want to see them wreck the game. And this whole, I'm just overthinking a little bit, coach, and I'm worried about this, and I don't want to make a mistake. Okay, enough. You know, the, the first play, I get all these texts. Man, what a great catch. Caught him on his helmet. Cover three in the middle the middle safety players at five yards. Missed assignment. Second play, touchdown. Missed assignment. Third play, missed assignment. All the touchdowns missed assignments. So we're better than we played, right? So you, you, you tell I want to get that off my chest to the guys. I love our guys. And I, all I want our guys to do is play football with confidence. I don't want them playing football afraid to lose. Play football with confidence. And so that's my job. I haven't gotten it done yet. So I'm anxious to play on Friday. So, so all right, let's put a pin on that, and we will discuss that uh, a whole lot more because uh, a lot was said there, and we got into it a bit, but curious what the reaction to that is from the team and from this room as well. All right, we'll take a break. 652 will get you updated on the latest news as Nebraska's out in Champaign, Illinois, getting ready to play tonight, 7 o'clock right here on KLIN. When you're thinking Huskers. Guns toward the end zone, passes, caught, touchdown. Think 1,499-3, KLIN.
Just Brett Anderson. Welcome back to the Friday Husker Tailgate, brought to you by Syracuse Area Health, Strasburger Orthopedic on 1499.3 KLIF. Do you guys realize we went the entire hour and we didn't talk about who was starting a quarterback? Really defensive focus. Have we? Has everyone just become exhausted of this topic? Certainly don't tweet at this about point. It. <laughs> Why is that? You uh, making people mad again? On Saturday. Well, it's nice to know you have me muted. Um, on Saturday, <laughs> I uh, I tweeted that they should just move forward with Harburg as their quarterback, meaning for 2023. And yet the people oh, yeah, just assumed that I meant that he would be the unquestioned starter for as many years as he wants to be. <laughs> um, you have people who are just immediately like angry, but then couldn't explain who else they would play and just wanted to talk about Casey Thompson, who's not on the roster, hasn't been on the roster, and isn't healthy either. Also yeah. wasn't great against Ohio before he left. Um, and then you have the people who are just mad about everything. Yeah, there's a lot of <laughs> And so uh, it, was a, it was an interesting thing um, to, to have that conversation, but I... I'll reiterate. I mean, I would just stick with Heinrich Harburg. I don't have a reason to move off of him well, and until he gives me one. Why would I? But I'll tell you what. Everything I hear, I just, I have a sense um, that's somewhat educated, not super educated, but somewhat educated, is that they're trying to find the time to get Sims in there. And I don't know how they're going to do it, but they're trying to find it. That's fine. I mean, they, they know far more than any of the rest of us do as they've seen practice and spring ball and everything else. He's missed now. If he doesn't play on Friday, he'll have missed a month. Mobility remains a big question with the injury that he had, with the fact that, you know, he's now missed four games. He hasn't hasn't played more than nine games in a season. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. I I get it. The talent, whatever. Good luck. I mean that's that's how I sort of feel about it. Yeah, I I mean I I understand what you're saying, but yeah, I just think I just have a feeling it's and it might be tonight. You might be tonight. I just don't know how you do it, uh, and, and that's question. We can discuss that later. In, I would in love the show. to know what it looks like if it doesn't go well. Then do you panic? Have to put Heinrich Harburg right. back in? And I don't even necessarily think it's starting. I think it's inserting him at some point. But how and when? That's the that's the bigger question here for me. We'll talk about it more coming up during the seven o'clock hour. It's Friday Husker tailgate on KLIN. When you're thinking Huskers. Boy, Nebraska, bitch yourselves. What a rally. The Huskers poured it on. It's 11-4 in the first. Think 1499-3 KLIN. Volk elect the wing to the near side. Snap back. They give it off to Anthony Grant. Picks his way to the left. Inside the 40, 35, 30. Quick to tackle. 45, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Nebraska. Who do you think you're fooling? Nobody's thinking about their job the day before a Husker game. What a finish to this football game. Memorial Stadium upside down right now. Three eligible to the near side. Back to throw is Morgan. Gets hit drop. Oh, he got drilled at the 18-yard line. Ty Robinson's second sack of the year. I think he took his shoes off with that hit. This is the Friday Husker Tailgate with Jack Mitchell, Caleb Henry, and Mike Schaefer. Brought to you by Syracuse Area Health. Strasburger Orthopedics. Who showed out this week? We award helmet stickers next. Presented by Blur Events on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, it's 7.07. Welcome back to Friday Husker Tailgate. Game day edition. Huskers, Illinois tonight. 7 o'clock right here on KLIN. Pre-game programming note will start at 3 o'clock this afternoon. So a uh, day full of Husker programming here on KLIN. Into the wee hours 
of the morning with Nebraska and Illinois. Glad to have you back with us. Mike Schaefer on my left, Caleb Henry on my right, across the table for me, Kenny Larrabee, who's running our video stream, which you can watch at Facebook, facebook.com slash LNK today. If you would like to uh, see our beautiful faces and look at some of the great graphics that we've got that go along with this, add a little enhanced option to the show, you can do that. Well, guys. The Friday ta- Friday Husker Tailgate Plus. Yes, Friday. Friday no, plus. no subscription, no free trial. Needed no peacock subscription yet. Do we do? Do we all have our peacock subscriptions yet, or are we waiting? Uh, uh, I had one, road? and then the CFO of our household initiated some cost-cutting maneuvers, Ooh. and so the five dollars a month of peacock was like one of the things that went. I, to which I'm just gonna. I think I'm just gonna like give the CFO sixty dollars and then just sign up for, for <laughs> I mean, this is some behind the outside off the books deals here yeah, that, going that on might there. be what happens. I mean happen. now that, that Nebraska basketball schedule came out I and you know. got a few on there and the women's team's gonna be on there as well a couple of times. So well and not to not to give anything away, but there will be a game on Peacock this weekend that I will be interested in for picks mm. purposes. Ooh hmm. <laughs> All right. Well we'll look forward to that. Guys if you think I'm uh, stalling before we get into the helmet stickers. You're correct. Uh, this is going to be an interesting segment today to figure out exactly who we thought showed out against Michigan. And uh, we'll see if this is all the same or if we're getting creative or what we're going to do on here because I still don't totally know what I'm going to do on this one. I know what I'm um, doing. Okay. Well, I guess, Caleb, why don't you go ahead since you, you, you feel very confident? Yeah. First sticker Josh Flakes. All right. Josh Fleeks, I was giving him one, too, so I'll say that, Mike. All right, there it is. Josh Fleeks moves into a tie for third. Look, if you have the, <laughs> the longest offensive touchdown of the season for Nebraska, I think that deserves a helmet stick. And he's got the best yards per carry in Nebraska football history, mm. as far as I know. Yeah, I speculated that. I don't know if that's true whatsoever. It might have might have been someone else. Does like someone that. else have one but, carry for eighty see, yards? This only makes me want him not to carry the ball again, <laughs> just to be at like yes, yes, hey, just retire from football. Maybe at that point. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, I was glad to see it because, man, of all what I didn't know that there was still this, and it's not a record, but it's a a long streak that Nebraska's Fourth. got. Uh, is it fourth now? Yeah. Fourth longest streak. The weird thing, without getting shut out, by the way, and thanks in part, you got it. You can't do this without thanking Bill Callahan and Steve Crewald uh, during the Oklahoma game back in '04. Yeah, '04 yep. uh, when the, the game was clearly over, and Steve Crewald breaks away on a fullback run that Nebraska hadn't used a lot of. Callahan sets it up, calls timeout, and gets a field goal made right as time expires. How much pressure that kicker felt? In that, uh, that was that was impre- that was very exciting for me personally in that game, uh, and it felt felt like this uh, Joshua Fleeks moment. But nonetheless, uh, he gets that. It was a good play. You look. I mean, we're going to talk about this in the morning drive. Is hey, is this is he going to become a part of of this whole deal uh, in the running game when you're short? We'll see about that, but. Looked good, looked fast, and it's it's good to see him. Man, can you guys imagine if where we are with the helmet sticker leaderboard, if we had gone back to uh, last week of August and said, "Hey guys, let me tell you, let me tell you who the top five helmet sticker leaders are going to be: Nash Hutmaker, Heinrich Harburg, Mackay Bear, and Josh, Mystery Guy, Josh Fleeks, and Cam Lenhart." 
I mean, uh, wow. Two of those names, I would be like, okay, I can kind of see, like, all right, the defensive line seems to be doing well. Right. Cam Lenhart, we saw Flash in the spring game. Okay, all right, I could see it. The other three, no. <laughs> no, not at all. Nope. Not had had our had our helmet sticker draft been twenty rounds long, like the uh, like the length of the major league baseball draft. You had some of those guys that may not even. Have hey, been if it had been twenty, I might have one. By yeah, now for yeah, maybe. Thanks, Josh. By the way, if you're listening, <laughs> he's not. Uh, all right, uh, next. All right, everybody gets gives one to Fleeks. What's your next one? I look forward to hearing what stickers you guys give away. I'm giving away one this week. You're not. You wow. You're not. You're just keeping the rest of them. I'm, I'm, you don't get to reuse them for nope, more, just I'm, so you know. They're they're getting tossed in the trash. Wow, that bad, huh? All right, all right. Kale, uh, Mike, do you have a second uh, helmet? Yeah, sticker? I'm giving one to Heinrich Harburg, who when you add up all of the things that went wrong on Saturday, and I know that his throwing motion is the, the talk of the town, <laughs> yep. uh, because people, apparently the only time passes get batted in the air is when you throw with a sidearm motion. It's never been batted by anyone coming over the top. Uh, which is amazing. I, I don't think that's statistically true, but that's what I was told on the internet. And you have to believe what you hear there. <laughs> Heinrich Harburg at one point was 10 of 12 uh, for 140 yeah. yards. He looked good. He was delivering the ball on time. He was not the issue on Saturday against Michigan. He wasn't He wasn't great. Like, I'm not trying to say that this is an all-time performance by any means. But he threw for the most yards that Michigan has allowed. It looked like he had a couple of really nice throws with Billy Kemp and Marcus Washington into the middle of the field. He would have had more yards, probably more completions. Marcus Washington had a really bad drop again on third down that uh, prevented Nebraska from continuing a drive. And it just overall felt like he continues to show that he is getting better in different areas of his game. And this was a, the best team that they played. Obviously, they didn't put up a lot of points. He, again, was not the issue. Yeah, it, it is kind of odd that, you, like, if you were told before this this game that Nebraska is going to get blown out by the score that they did get blown out by, your first thought is like, oh, man, uh, Harburg probably had a really, really rough game in that situation. Um, and he... He didn't necessarily no. like you saw you you actually saw him open up the passing game and and perform in the passing games in ways that you really haven't before. Yeah, you had some balls batted down. Yeah, you did have an interception on one of those as well. So definitely wasn't perfect. But like I didn't know I didn't know what he would look like right when mm-hmm. you opened up the passing game. To well, be honest. and then here's the thing: it's not like he got help. It's not like that offensive line played well on Saturday. It's not like he didn't fear for his life on every snap because they don't have a left tackle on the entire roster. And if that sounds harsh, I'm sorry. Go put that game on. That was terrible. Mm -hmm. Like, absolutely terrible. If there was negative helmet stickers, you're getting two right there. I mean, that was as bad of a performance as you're going to see from an individual position on an offense, period. And so, like... When when people get really into the quarterback conversation, some of it to me is like, okay, look at what they're working with. Like, look at not even just quarterback. Let's let's divorce of that. When I get the texts and the tweets and the message board posts about Marcus Satterfield, how the hell are you supposed to call an offense when you don't have a left tackle that's touching a player on consecutive plays? Yeah. Yeah. When you don't have a second string running back, like it great that Josh Gleeks had that touchdown. They clearly aren't ready to use him more. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was he was in for that specific play and it worked perfectly. You yeah. know. But And so uh, like, to Harburg's is, credit, the first seven or eight passes that he threw were all caught by somebody on the field. Yeah. 
Yes. I mean, uh, you know, one of them yeah. just batted skyward. Yeah. Which, by the way, early in that game, Nebraska deflects a ball, goes up, should be caught. It's in the middle of the field. There should be somebody on defense that can catch it. Yeah. Just falls harmlessly I, to the turf. Amazing. I I think I put on the message board. I'm like, you know, it it amazes me how often this seems to happen. To Nebraska, they knock a ball in the air, and there's no one there to catch it. And then in the reverse, just you just know it's going to get cut. Always. Right. Six minutes of real time later, there's the ball flying <laughs> in the air from Harvard. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, I put that one in the or, universe. I, I, I owe people. For or that. how many punt or kick returners have fumbled or muffed a that return against Nebraska? Right and him. it goes right through. It yeah. hits the ground, oh, and it could go goodness. in any direction. <laughs> Not only does it pop up custom made for a great way for him to hold it on the run but it just made nebraska's lane integrity break down just enough that he was able to pop it to the outside and get a pretty decent return out of this i mean don't tell me there isn't some things that that have to do with bad luck listen it did not cost them the game no but my goodness i've got to see a loose ball I feel like Nebraska is owed loose ball after loose ball after loose ball, just going directly to them. Nothing to do with effort, completely to do with the bounce of the ball off the hand or off the turf with this. So, yes, I was, I could could not believe that. Uh, I am giving mine. Now, despite what you said about a drop uh, and drops that have been a problem, and they have been for not only this player, but several of the receivers here, I'm still going to give one to Marcus Washington because. I said this earlier, there were very few plays on that day that made me stand up, that made me say, there we go, there's there's a little potential, that's heartening for this whole thing. Marcus, resp- Marcus Washington was responsible for one of those, mm-hmm. and for a second there, you know, what, what, what was it, 28-7 at halftime? Or 28-0 at halftime? 28-0 at halftime, so you, yeah, obviously it's still a huge, huge long shot to come back, but for a second there, I was like, okay, they're coming out of halftime. With some fire, and Marcus Washington, if you don't recall, uh, took a took a pass from Heinrich Harburg, good pass, good catch down the middle, and he pulled Michigan defenders with him, right, 10, 15, 20 yards, it seemed like, down the field. And I said, where, where has that been with Marcus Washington? But also, great play, and all of a sudden I thought, okay, maybe this team you know, came to fight here during the second half. Turns out they didn't, yeah. but... You you kind of thought they did for a second, but when you heard Rule talking about what he was talking about uh, in that last clip that we played there, um, that was where I saw that on offense, okay. was was that play for Marcus Washington. So I'll give him one. Caleb's not giving a third one away, so Correct. we skip him. No, he didn't again. give a second one away. Either. Or a second or a nope. third one. All right, you got a third one now. So I like if, if Caleb is not giving away two, I'm like half tempted to rip the third one in half and hand it to two different players. <laughs> But I need a ruling on this. I'll give. I'll let you give. You know, since we're just bending off. You know, when when we used to do the show with Dave, he would get. He gave one the to left a, upright. The left one. upright. Uh, the guy who the shot the fireworks. Vendor. Yeah, and the pyro. So man. this yeah. would not. I remember that week. This would not be the most bending that we've ever done with the rule. So I'll allow you to give split <laughs> two and a half. Although I just can't believe this is the game that you need to give four people then. But here well, we go. Well, it's. I'm. I'm just toying between two individuals. Uh, I'll just I'll stick with one. Okay. I'll I'll wait. I was going to give one to Jalen Lloyd for just having a a catch for getting yep. involved for being a freshman wide receiver yep. that I thought about it feels that like one. he's going to get more involved as this goes on. Um, but I'm going to give one to Billy Kemp. I mean, he had four catches, yep. 60, 61, 65 yards. He's been consistent since that Minnesota game. They've been able to kind of get him anywhere from like thirty five to seventy yards. Uh, that's just kind of what he is. 
and he had a couple of nice catches in the first half again. I think he's in rhythm with Heinrich Harburg. I think there's going to be a game in the month of October where he goes over 100 yards. He he can be an effective player. You can utilize him differently, and uh, I don't think he has one yet. So I'm yeah, gonna, that's I'm crazy. I didn't realize that. He, he probably hasn't deserved one. The closest would be... Louisiana Tech, I think he had the touchdown run, or, or yeah, they had a touchdown a quick, against Northern Illinois too, or whatever. So yeah, I I'm gonna go ahead and give one to Billy Kemp. Yeah, he's been it, it. It has been. You talk about not having you know weapons on offense. He's flashed a few times, yeah, and they're trying to get him like that. He is more of a a. He frankly is more of a threat than I thought he would be. To be honest, just in what I've seen really? from his ability. Yeah, See, because the, I had the, this idea of this. No, you know, possession mm. receiver that's going to get a volume of short passes, but he's had some of the most impressive, I thought, y- you know, ability to elude to make runs after catches or runs after handoffs than yeah. anybody in that room, to be honest. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think the the tough thing is he's probably not like a number one wide receiver, right. but if you could utilize him as your number two or your number three, right. like you'd feel better about it. And yeah. that's that's just kind of what it is for Nebraska across the board. Like you look at this offense, doesn't feel like there's a lot of guys where you're like, yeah, that's unequivocally someone who should be the starting blank at a place like Nebraska. It, it, it does bring up an interesting conversation. I think I heard you have this on one of your podcasts. Goodness sakes, there's so many podcasts and shows and everything. I can't remember where I hear things, but kind of evaluating the transfer class that Nebraska got this year, yeah. as we were just talking about fleeks and we were just talking about Kemp, and you know, it's it, it, you come in as a new coach, rule does, and he's trying to sort of figure out where the needs are. And you know, Ben Scott's playing regularly too, but it's kind so, of I mean, that's our best transfer, Ben Scott, probably yeah. in this whole thing, mm-hmm. and then and then probably Kemp. And then probably uh, camp, yeah. when you're looking at that, and then you had you know a few that didn't hit. I think like 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 you hope that they well you have guys like MJ Sherman and Cheap Borders and Corey Collier who are basically defensive depth for you, right? Uh, you know, and then offensively, Josh Fleek sort of I've never really thought was going to be anything. Now we'll see. The, we'll see the most important touchdown of the season yeah. to some, and then. Um, yeah, and then of course you know the the Eric Gilbert situation. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it it'll be interesting to see how Rule and staff use the transfer portal this next coming year. Very interesting. Knowing, having a better sense, I think of what what this team is because you're kind of coming in a little bit blind there. Yeah. Now you've got a season. You know all of you know this team way better, right? And obviously, there's going to be changes in what the needs are. But yeah, I. Just because there are some teams, I mean, look at look at college football right now. There's some teams that are, I mean, that's how they build year to year, yep. essentially, mm-hmm. um, completely. And so they've got a shot for that. So it will be interesting to see that. I'm going to give my last one. This is a weird one. Uh, I'm going to give my last one, but I had to find someone. Uh, and I'm kind of bummed for this guy because I feel felt like there was some hype going into the season that he might be a real unique player and one that is exciting for uh, for fans to watch, and that's Janiron Bonner, and only because he he got a he got a, like a true fullback carry during the game, and we haven't really seen that. I don't think we've seen that this year. Correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but it was a true carry out of the fullback position in the I formation, and I'm not sure that we've really had that before. They they uh, the other guys that they've used there, they haven't really given the ball right. to. So. Um, I don't know. I saw all these videos of him. So I'm giving him that just for bringing back the fullback carry uh, for Nebraska. Sort of symbolic there. But it was interesting, Mike, because you would watch those videos that we put out this fall. I felt like he was 
you saw him as a terrible way to assess an offense or who's going to be good. But I felt like there were all these, like, you saw him streaking down the middle mm-hmm. and catching passes. You saw him carrying the ball. You know, he has been a smaller part of this offense than I thought he would, which is kind of odd. Yeah, and they may just not have gotten the looks or gotten the teams that they wanted to attack that with. or the, Maybe they're not comfortable with that aspect of their offense. Um, I'm not sure. I, I expected a little bit more from Bonner. Not a lot. Uh, a little bit more from Bonner. But the other thing is... By the time he got into the third game and he wasn't playing, I kind of mentally had moved on. I know. That's... So then when he got the carry on Saturday, I was like, 12, 12, 12. Oh, oh, <laughs> yeah, that was, oh, hey. Well, you I know, and then you're like tapping the person next to you, and they're like, yeah, no, yeah. I know. He's got two carries on the year. They, both they were came both in Saturday. this game, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I don't know why. It just... The first one went better than the second one, if I recall. Yeah, the, the first one was good. Yeah, the first one is what the helmet really got him, the helmet sticker there, but... Yeah, I don't know. I just got this sense they're going to move him kind of as a fullback, sort of, you know, sort of tight end, different kind of a a tight end, basically, and just just have a done tight it. back or a full tight. Which, yeah, which do you prefer there? Uh, full tight, probably, but I'm okay. gonna have to think about that. All right, that uh, after this round of helmet stickers, which was not a full <laughs> oh, one, man. our standings: Nash. Hutmaker, I think maybe one of the first games he hasn't gotten one. He is at six. Heinrich Harburg right on his tail with five. And then we got a four-way tie in third place with three helmet stickers for uh, Bear, a.k.a. Mystery Guy. Josh Fleeks, <laughs> Cam Leonard, and Omar Brown all have three. And then tied for two. Brian Buschini, who hasn't got a sticker for you for a little while here, Mike. Concerning. Sorry, Brian. Like, you used to be on auto. Yep. and well. G- Javen Wright, Quentin Newsom, Thomas Fedoni, Anthony Grant, all with two. So I, I'm just going to say this, and you guys can agree or disagree. Uh, this might be among the more depressing crop of helmet stickers <laughs> halfway through a season we've it's, ever had on this show. Uh, it, yeah. just, it, just saying it. it just you, goes, do what you want it. With just it. goes Not to show great, you. Bob. The helmet sticker situation, it really goes to show you, you think you know so much in August, we think we know so much in August, we do not know squat, ever. Certainly in not August. in a transition program, ever. Yeah. All right, 725, <laughs> we'll take a break. It was in the Friday Husker Tailgate, your morning drives coming up next on KLIN. When you're thinking Huskers, intercepted at the 15, and the Huskers have it inside the red zone. Think 1499.3 KLIN. Five topics to get you going for game day. It's a special Friday edition of the Morning Drive on the Friday Husker Tailgate. Hi, Jack Mitchell, Mike Schaefer, Caleb Henry, and Kenny Larrabee. If you want to watch the stream here, it's going on at Facebook, facebook.com slash LNK today. So shout out to our stream watchers. Hello. Thank you for joining us. Mark Vale in the KLIN Newsroom, Chris Lofkin, Time Saver Traffic, and we're getting you ready for game day, which is today. And Nebraska and Illinois, and one of the ways we do that every day, no matter what we're talking about, is we bring you the morning drive and the five things people are talking about today. Brought to you by Stonebridge Insurance and Wealth Management. So, without any further ado, let's get it started today with... Number five. We've got new Big Ten schedules. Well, kind of. We've got new matchups for the next five Is this iteration number 17 for the 2024 schedule? 17.2.A is where we're at right now, and... What stood out to you guys most as the Big Ten integrates not just USC and UCLA into the schedules, but also Oregon and Washington? No divisions going forward. You know, I guess it was kind of like I expected it. They, they're 
the the big thing for Nebraska is they're going to get Iowa every year as the, they they kept these protected rivalries basically that they rolled out with the last schedule where some teams get one, some teams get zero, and some teams get three. Which to me, I don't know. I, I don't get it. I don't. I mean, I don't love that uh, in terms of sort of equity of scheduling, but it is what it is, and they want to keep traditions. It's just sometimes it feels like it's a little arbitrary in terms of what makes a rivalry and what doesn't. And I wonder how much the schools had an impact on uh, input on that. Like, do Rutgers and Maryland really want to play each other every year? Well, so if if what was said is true about this, you had multiple schools put Rutgers down, but Rutgers did not put other schools down. So. You know. Who did that? Whoever did? I, I want to. I want names. I'm hearing one of them. Uh, one of them. The rumor was uh, your boy Tom Allen's program. <laughs> yeah, always looking for respect, and they want it in Jersey. Unbelievable! But that's this embarrassing. Was this was back Hold, on. In the, Hold on. This was Schedule fourteen point five. I know. B. I know. But Ooh. listen, if you are claiming, we like that one too. I like that one. If you, I was good with that one. If you're falsely claiming Rutgers has a rivalry with you to make your schedule easier, shame on you. I, I think Penn State was another one. I bet they did. I, I will. A I lot will of say it this was for, to keep stay in the Eastern Time Zone, yes. stay on you know to avoid travel. Whatever, it's but not a run. I made the case for this over the summer. Nebraska should find two other people so that way they have schedule certainty and it prevents having to play some of these other teams as often as they will. Yeah. Nebraska being the helmet that it is, are you shocked that they're getting UCLA, USC, and Oregon right. over a two-year stretch? Like, why would Wisconsin not have wanted that? I, I, I'm a little curious. They could have. That's that would have been the easy way to do it. Yeah, is Wisconsin because don't, they don't have three. I don't understand it. Iowa's it doesn't, got three, but it doesn't I, I, make I, sense. I, to I'm, me. Yeah, I'm very surprised that Nebraska didn't try to just get three in the Big Ten West. They probably Minnesota, did. I Wisconsin, bet they did. Iowa, Minnesota, Northwestern. You if know, it went whatever. like you said it did, where they requested, I would be really surprised if Nebraska didn't say Minnesota, Iowa, Wisconsin. Yeah, absolutely, right? I thought, go collude on that. I thought. Say, who are you putting down? Trev said the only program they had any discussion with it about was Iowa. I thought that was the way that Nebraska approached it. I could be wrong. I could be misremembering. Yeah, right. And I don't know what the answer is, but just my own opinion is more of those would have been better. Can I? So I did not. One, I cannot believe how horrible the Big Ten is at this. There was no advance notice of it. It's just like, ah, we're doing it. You're a terrible conference. You're terrible at presenting (laughs) everything. You're just bad. It's amazing you're the number two conference in college football because the power brokers there, they have no idea how to, like, well, we're going to do it at 11.30 on BTN. All right, we'll find out. You got a press release that went out at 10.15 in the morning. Right, and and like <laughs> Greg Sharp was on our show on uh, Thursday regularly. He was like he was like talking about, well, they're going to add USC and UCLA. I don't know what you're talking about. And he goes, by the way, you're probably going to find out more about them coming in. So apparently a few people knew that it was yeah. coming, but yeah, you're not much. Yeah. yeah. And then, I don't know, the, the fact that we've had so many iterations of it, I guess I didn't really care. It's like it's kind of well, gonna just be what you think it's gonna be. Yeah, I, I, I mean, part of it, Mike, is that they go out five years with this thing. But does anybody believe no. that more than one to two years of this is gonna be actually? I think the Big Ten is gonna look different by twenty twenty six. I don't. I don't. You know. So and when you, I'm kind of tired of all of it. Like I, I want it to get to the point where we're done having to be. Like, oh, I wonder if this is going to be the next stage of realignment. Like <laughs> I just want to get to the point where it's just college football, right. and I don't have to hear the words realignment yeah. and conference strength and all of that. Like let's just get to that. What percentage chance do you think this 2028 Big Ten schedule actually gets played as it's scheduled today? Negative point nine. <laughs>
absolutely. <laughs> it's not. Uh, but, so, so it doesn't really get weird next year, other than the addition of USC UCLA, one at home, one on the road. Right. Uh, you're you're hosting the Bruins. 2025 is when it first gets weird for Nebraska with the no divisions. Yeah, because you're hosting Iowa and Northwestern. Okay, cool. You you kind of see them. But also Michigan, Michigan State, and USC, and you're heading to Maryland, Minnesota, Penn State, and UCLA. It's like they got all the M's in there, right? Yeah. So, so now that in 2025 is really when it's not just the new members that you see, but also a lot more in what is now the Big Ten East. Yeah, you only have two West teams on that, or three West teams in that schedule. Uh, but since 24 is the one that I think we all feel confident they'll actually play, and maybe the only one that we're super confident about, let's take a quick deeper look at that. Um, and you've already got Colorado coming in mm-hmm. next year in the non-con. And yep, three unlike, straight at home. Unlike some of the other non-conference games down the road, that one I think is staying on the schedule. I don't know about Tennessee. I don't know about Cincinnati down the road. That one's staying on the schedule. So you combine that with this 2024 team where Matt Rule is going to be expected to make some progress here in this year, no matter where you end up this year. Uh, you're going to go on the road then to USC and Ohio State and Iowa at that point, plus have UCLA and Wisconsin in Lincoln, among other games. Among other games. And I, so I do like that you said you're going to go on the road to USC and Ohio State. And I'm like, man, that's tough. And then you're like, Iowa. I was like, Maybe leave that one out. Right, uh, right. I should have. But then, and then, like I said, though, U- UCLA, Wisconsin, along with Colorado coming in during that year. So um, it will be. I mean, all the years are going to be tough, right? Well, that's that, uh, when I mean, you build your conference this way. Yeah, that's what it is. And when you're not good, everything seems tougher than it actually probably is. And that's that's one of the things about this making this huge, difficult conference list. Like there are going to be some really bad teams for a really long time in this conference <laughs> when you when you do this. And I don't know who it's going to be, but uh, I've, I could guess some. Uh, but with these schedules, it's it's just going to be the case. They are just going to well, get beat you're just down. You're going to get a lot of up. seven and five seasons, mm-hmm. and that's what I think people have to be prepared. Now, for. with looking at next year, Illinois, Rutgers, UCLA, Wisconsin, all coming to Lincoln. Who is the first of those as your home game? Because whoever that is, if none of the non-conference games get canceled, that's your 400th sellout. Yeah. I bet they'll do UCLA. If, well, I don't know who says that, but it'd be cool if it was UCLA. My, my thoughts were that. It'd be their first Big Ten game. It's still so weird that Nebraska and UCLA still kind of have more history than do Nebraska and most of the Big Ten. I So the Nebraska-UCLA in Lincoln for the first Big Ten game, I mean, Nebraska went on the road in 2011, played at Wisconsin. That was their first Big Ten game. I mean, there's not like there isn't a standard for it. Yeah. It's not like UCLA is going to be guaranteed a home game for that. Yeah, they probably will get one, though. Uh, they love the Rose Bowl in the Big Ten. Have you heard? I like the Rose Bowl. It's a great place yeah, to visit. <laughs> Number four. Luckily, this game going to go off where it is without any hitches after a fire broke out in Illinois' Memorial Stadium earlier this week. Kind of a moot point now, but what do you think everyone would have done had the facility not been able to hold that game? I, I understand this is a completely pointless question, but maybe at some point it won't be. I don't know. What do you guys, what would they actually, I kept saying this, like, what would you do? Do you find another, is it even possible to go well, move it to another facility? Let's let's start with this from this standpoint. There's probably no better state that it could have happened in, in terms of there being a bunch of college football programs, so you could probably find another town in which the game could be played. Caleb, SIU available to host? 
Oh, down in Carbondale? <laughs> you're getting a ways away if you're trying to go down to Carbondale. Okay. You're, you're you can go to Gillette. Hey, listen, you I'm could, just working uh, my, per, my connections here. You can go to Eastern. Yep. Try to get Tony Romo come in call the game. Was it Illinois State? Is that is that Gillette or where is where is Illinois State at? Like that's the one that you drive through on the interstate if you take the non is that, non Kevin Is that Sutro. normal? Could be normal. I'm not sure. Listen, I don't. Uh, 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 There's just a lot of colleges I in just, Illinois. You could have made it work at some other facility. How possible is I know in like baseball games sometimes they'll sort of quickly move a game for various reasons. They've done that before, but. Like, how logistically difficult would it be to move? It would have been very hard. If they could have mm-hmm. even done that in I mean, just, One, I don't know how what the ticket sales are there, so I don't know. And then, obviously, that's going to be a bigger capacity than most of these FTS stadiums. Like, I seriously you got think a fan that- base that travels, so there's, you know, even with Nebraska being bad, there's still probably going to be 10,000 Nebraska fans at this game. And they could have only really postponed it if, if the bye weeks matched up. Oh, I don't know that they could have postponed it. Right. It would have been... Then you're probably talking about a forfeit because it's oh kind gosh. of their obligation to have a stadium or a plan. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could have been. And if you're in Nebraska, you're not just letting it be canceled. Right. You're telling them that you get the win. And again, look, you know. I'm again, glad that we don't have to be. Super moot point, but I just saw the first pictures of that when it was first making news, whatever night that was, Tuesday With night. With the amount of emergency the vehicles. The amount of emergency of vehicles and the amount of smoke that was happening. One of the firefighters like, got hurt. Yeah, one yeah. of the firefighters got hurt and. Um, and so I thought, my goodness, this is look. It looked major at the time, and my mind was already scurrying through those possibilities. But uh, luckily, that is not an issue, and they're good to play there tonight. Number three, Nebraska will again be without two of its top defensive players, Luke Reimer and Deshaun Singleton. How much of a vulnerability do these guys' absences leave with this defense? And is this the type of situation where playing so many guys earlier in the year will pay off? I, I agree with what Mike said earlier in the show, and it's not. It, I mean, Rhymer's obviously a, a, a key in a whole mm-hmm. in tons of different ways on defense. You just have more people behind him with experience at that exact position because of the way that the rotation has gone this year, and because of the depth that you happen to have at that position and the types of players you got. Henrich and Bullock who can still play that. You've got linebackers who have moved about throughout the course of the year, and so that's the only reason. I say Singleton, uh, or Singleton is is the one because I, you know, I know they kind of did it on the fly, Mike, for the Michigan game. Once he went down, I think maybe it might look a little different how they address it now that they've got a week to figure it out. Yeah, Deshaun Singleton. I I am very curious, you know, who's going to get the bulk of that playing time? How they kind of structure that that defensive back room? Um, and and a lot of it, you know, when you go to like how you feel like it leaves them vulnerable, it's just because it, Deshaun Singleton had made himself feel like one of the better players on defense so it you know it hurts for that reason so um yeah I'm, I'm very curious and if it if there's a way that illinois can attack it to me it might be the quarterback run game i think that's the most interesting that's aspect a good point of, i think you're right of illinois offense that nebraska hasn't faced a lot of this year. because singleton what you i mean he was a good tackler he came he down in the box came down and you, came just, down you hard. felt comfortable and he's a bigger guy so it wasn't like it was like having a speedy linebacker coming up to the second level. Right. It's like, I don't... Yeah, it's not like I'm worried Nebraska's getting burnt deep now because right. of it. It's a lot more... And, and you make a good point with Altmaier having yep. having some ability to run the ball. Um, you know, and they'll bring in... They, I, I wonder... And it almost feels like with, with this defense, there's less difference between cornerback and safety than there may be 
in some other defensive schemes. I don't know if that's totally true or not. Well, but if you're playing a lot of zone. When they're when they're yeah. playing zone like that, which so they put in Hartzog, they put, I think they put in Newsom and play some yep. some safety as well. Um so yeah, it, it, it oddly enough, I think you're right, Mike. The concern probably lies more in the run game than anything else in the quality of the overall tackling. Because this defense doesn't get back to where it was against Minnesota and against Colorado in these next few games unless they start tackling like that again. That was and attacking. F- and attacking. Those yep. are the first two yep. things all three of us said after those first two games. We said, this defense looks visually different in the way that they are aggressive to the ball and the way that the first person that touches touches the ball runner uh, who has the ball gets that tackle right away. It was notable. You saw 11 dudes with a bloodlust at all times on the field. It's what made me... I remember, you know, we were like, this defense is so fun to watch because of that. Um, And it just... That hasn't been there for whatever reason for really the last two weeks, Mm -hmm. I think. If they can get back to that, to what that looked like... And they were doing it with a variety of guys then, right? There were drives where Reimer wasn't on the field when that was happening. Reimer was doing a good job with it, too. If they can get to that, then you think, okay, yeah, this defense legitimately can can lead multiple wins here over the course of this four-game stretch that they've got coming up. Number three. Well, Josh, well, Josh Fleeks had the most exciting play of the day for Nebraska last Saturday, even though it was in garbage time. Between that and the way the coaches have talked glowingly about him at running back, do you think his role becomes something other than emergency or mop-up duty this week? And beyond. You seem skeptical of that, Mike, when you were talking about it earlier. You don't yeah, think so? I just, I mean, I don't know. You're asking a guy to the transition in the middle of the season to a completely different position. I just don't know what the expectation is um, for, for how much you're going to play him. And then, you know, like if Anthony Grant can give you 20-some carries, are you that much better off giving another five to, to Fleeks right. or just giving those to Anthony Grant? So... A lot of it's just going to be like, does Grant need to come out? Yeah, and then on top that's, of it, and that's what it would be. Yeah, and on top of it, then you know, what does it say about Emmett Johnson if he's going to get passed up by a guy who's moving from wide receiver yeah. back to running back, who barely was playing at receiver and isn't expected to play much at running yeah. back? Like it's a, uh, and and so then it's like, okay, are they targeting very specifically? Pass protection. Is there something that he does that you're not getting from Emmett Johnson or anything? I don't know. All, all, the only reason I really posed this question was, you know, the touchdown, obviously, but it was also leading up to this week the way when the coaches, Satterfield especially, mentioned that they had made the change and he was sort of gushing about it at that point. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand. And I'd said this the week prior, and then obviously had the 77 yard run. The way they talk about Josh Fleeks, you would expect a different statistical history than when you pull open his player profile and what he did at Baylor. Mm-hmm. You could you could make that same case about Tommy Hill, too. The way that he's talked about. 100%. Um, they, are, see, they, see, yeah. they see something in, in those guys, and it hasn't well, shown up, you know, on, on the... Some of it oh, is there. it did. Well, that's not fair for me to say. For Fleeks, it did. I mean, he had he got his chance, and he it, took took care of it. So. Well, some of it is just they're, they're really good athletes, and it's like, yeah. well, relative to the rest of your roster, they might really stand out. But right. that doesn't necessarily translate to production. <laughs> yeah, that's the most interesting thing is they keep, you know, the Tommy Hill thing, they keep... It sounds like they're going to go more into it, go more into it, and at least offensively, there just hasn't been much there from it mm-hmm. at this point. And again... You know, 
He get just it. tells the quarterback he's going to run deep, and they throw it to him. <laughs> well, at some point, I don't even mind that. that for your audio. The, the, the good old recess yeah. play. I don't even mind that if you've got that kind of coverage. I know you don't you mind do it. That. I, they should be doing that at some point. Bomb the ball back, or bomb the ball, Jack is back. Uh, yeah, I baby. am. Yeah, if you he never really left, honestly. No, it didn't. It, he, he didn't. He's still here. Uh, and, and then real quick, back to the running back. We haven't even mentioned Anthony Grant's name on this show here, an hour and 47 minutes into it. But this is... This is his potential game. Huge game. This is his potential game, you know, to to have a career game here at Nebraska. Yeah, I want to see him like Ezekiel Elliott just souping it up. Right. Just feed him, feed him, Please, let's not do the, the, you know, a couple of carries on the first drive and then he ends the game with nine carries, right? Let's not do that. 40 carries first drive. That's what Jack wants. (laughs) Hey, there goes the the first half. That, no, that, in all seriousness, I mean, be amazing. But he, I do think, and this is not to say that Anthony Grant has rock hands. We've seen him be able to catch the football, but I think with with the history and the position that you're transitioning from for Josh Fleeks, would you not want to use him in the way that we were all envisioning the staff wanted to use Ramir Johnson? A little bit more pass catching. Maybe he goes in at running back, and he yeah. and he they they shift him out to the slot a little bit on some stuff to use him in what are. His abilities, not necessarily a between-the-tackles runner, because Anthony Grant is going to do that 15, 20 times a game for you. Is, if you are going to use him to spell Grant, you got to use him in the way that we were hoping they were going to try to use Ramir Johnson. Mike, I think I asked you this last week, so I apologize for asking you twice in a row, but what's Emma Johnson's, you know... If if you're going to use him, take advantage of his biggest strengths. What what are they? Here? Literally, just, what Caleb just described. So what, I mean, that's what he was in high yeah, school. That's he was what dynamic, I uh, space runner, dynamic with the ball in his hands. You throw it to him. You can hand it off to him. So when he was talking, all I was thinking was, well, that's kind of what I think Emma Johnson's exactly role what I was is going wondering. to be for some college. Do you program. think his role? Do you think he gets more? He's going to be more significantly involved. I don't uh, know. Going forward, he, you know, again, it was. It was Nebraska-Michigan, the second half, game's over. But Harburg scrambles out. He gets along the sidelines. And he had a nice sort of dump-off pass to to Emma Johnson, who had his one catch, and he turned it upfield. And, like, that's what he can be for you. I I don't know if they're uncomfortable with his ability to pick up blitzes, if they're uncomfortable that maybe he just doesn't know the offense in the way that he needs to, what it would be. But I guess when Ramir Johnson went out, Maybe it's I'm just it's too simplistic because of their names, but it just felt like okay, that's going to be Emmett Johnson's role now. Like that's <laughs> yeah. that's sort of what well, he was as a recruit, so that's my expectation of what he would be as a college. Right player. to your point, to your point, you you know as a recruit and you, best player in Minnesota, right? right? And and he's got you talk about Fleece coming in new. I mean Emmett Johnson's young, but this guy's a running back through and through, right? Right? right. I mean he is. He well, and Fleeks was at, at Baylor, too. That's why it was weird when he was announced as a wide receiver coming to Nebraska. Yeah, he had more carries than catches at yeah, Baylor. It, everything about Josh Fleeks has been confusing to me, and Saturday did not. <laughs> did not clear it up at all. It made all. it much Nor more. did the comments following it, because it wasn't like, yeah, we're going to use him more. It's like, yeah, we'll see what happens. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Stay tuned and find out tonight yeah, on, K- on KLIN. Weird cliffhanger. <laughs> Number one. There seems to be a sentiment abounding that the staff will eventually play Jeff Sims in some capacity, possibly even tonight. Certainly not on my Twitter feed. <laughs> Whenever that happens, how do you expect the staff to work him in as a starter off the bench early or only when the team needs a shift in momentum? So, what, what do you guys Before seeing? you guys answer that, I I wrote this, and so maybe it's my own, maybe I'm speaking for more people. 
I just, I don't know. We had Greg Sharp on yesterday. The last two weeks, Greg sort of intimated yeah, that he thinks, really that he thinks that. Sims is going to play. He's not the only person I've heard that sentiment from, that there is that there is a desire by this coaching staff to get Jeff Sims involved when he's healthy. And I, I think there was some thought that that might be last week. It wasn't. So I don't know what his health situation is. But I don't think he can turn it and run. Is that So if he's got a high ankle sprain, you know, or basically right. and that. That's, what, that's essentially, I don't think they've come out and that, said exactly that's what it is. Maybe they Rule yeah. even basically. He's, he kind of was like, basically, that's what it is. Yeah, and so just, we, it's always just been this We were always thinking injury, it, you know. But there seems to be so much. I don't know, Caleb. You know what I'm saying, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, they, they, there's been a... Uh, there's a weird amount of talk, and then there's been a weird amount of talk on, yep, it's it still, we'll, we'll figure out whoever the guy is that gives us the best chance to win, but then it's always that he's he's never 100% healthy, and that it's definitely not gamesmanship. I think it's Heinrich Harburg, at, at, the, at the very least tonight. Because, I hope it's Heinrich Harburg. Yeah, that, I, that, that, that's I think he will start. I think this coaching staff is going to work Sims in at some point. I don't know if it's today. I don't know if it's... It, pro- it will be in two weeks, here's I think, I, for sure. I just I don't, don't know want. how. I don't want the Adrian Martinez, we've got to play this guy because he's a great athlete, but he's sacrificed, you know, his ankle hurts. He, like It's just... If Jeff Sims can only run at 60% of what Jeff Sims can run at, that's worse than Heinrich Harper. It is. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not disagreeing. I want the guy that can run the football as a quarterback because that's your best offensive play until it's not. I just they st- I think they still think there's something there with Sims that just has, hasn't even been seen yet. Well, yeah, they don't, I don't think they want to give up on him, but yeah. at the same time, I think you're getting harder to... to put him in without Harburg giving you an opening, and he really hasn't. I want to talk, we'll talk a little bit more about this during the 8 o'clock hour, but we are out of time right now on the Morning Drive, brought to you by Stonebridge Insurance and Wealth Management. Take a break. Big Ten Roundup coming up next on KLIN. When you're thinking Huskers, think 1499.3 KLIN. Welcome back to the Friday Husker Tailgate, brought to you by Syracuse Area Health, Strasburger Orthopedic on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, guys, Big Ten Roundup this week. Just quick reaction. We just got a minute or so left. Your quick reaction as I run through some of these games. Maryland at Ohio State. Maryland got a shot at making this interesting, you think? Maybe? Yeah, Maybe? I mean, they have, a, they have a shot. Ohio State doesn't look like Ohio State of the last couple mm-hmm. years, but... Either the hard thing is I don't know what Maryland is defensively. Yeah, uh, Rutgers at Wisconsin. I don't know. I like our Rutgers has looked okay this year. We'll see. Wisconsin. At, I I know I already dropped my Purdue, hand on this but, one. Yeah. So. Okay. <laughs> Howard at Northwestern. Nice opportunity for Northwestern to get yeah, another win there for them. Uh, Purdue at Iowa. Iowa without their starting quarterback now. And, Basically uh, a pick'em game. Holy cow! And how much can Purdue look like they looked this last week? I mean, yeah, yeah. You talk about teams in an existential Arguably crisis. Playing a worse offense. Wow. Mm-hmm. And then um, Michigan and Minnesota will be interesting, just for comparative purposes, is to kind of see if Michigan's able to do exactly what they did to Nebraska against Minnesota, or if that's something where eh, maybe it'll be a little bit of a fight. Minnesota's going to try and do that field position, slow the game down thing too. Didn't work for Nebraska. All right, take a break. It's the eight o'clock hour coming up next on KLIN. Hear the Huskers home and away. Now streaming live on the KLIN app and at KLIN.com. Volker like the wing to the near side. Snap back. They give it off to Anthony Grant. Picks his way to the left. Inside the 40, 35, 30. Breaks the tackle. 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown. Number 
thinking about their job the day before a Husker game. What a finish to this football game. Memorial Stadium upside down right now. Three eligible to the near side. Back to throw is Morgan. Gets hit drop. Oh, he got drilled at the 18-yard line. Ty Robinson's second sack of the year. I think he took his shoes off with that hit. This is the Friday Husker Tailgate with Jack Mitchell, Caleb Henry, and Mike Schaefer. Brought to you by Syracuse Area Health, Strasburger Orthopedics on 1499.3 KLIN. First. Fantasy Huskers keyword for a chance at a $100 prize pack from Valentino's at Alumni Hall. All right, it's time for Fantasy Huskers. You're not so much making a choice with this pick as having it given to you. Yes. Get what you get. Because the question for this week's Fantasy Huskers is what is the last digit in Nebraska's score? And there are 10 picks. Nine of them has been made. Nine of them have been made, I should say. Leaving uh, one number left, which is two. So if you want, Corey took nine. If you want the two, if you think two, whether you think two is going to be a last digit of the score or not, uh, might as well try. You know, forty-two to zero could happen. Uh, we'll see. But uh, give us a text with the keyword, which is Kingfisher. Kingfisher. Why are we doing Kingfisher? That is in like the bird. Exactly. K i n g f i s h e r. Kingfisher. Okay. Freaked me out a little bit, but okay. What do you mean, why are we doing that? You're about to do opposition disposition. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Let's get started with it then. Shouldn't the word have been buttkiss? <laughs> Did Should've. you know your foe? Well, we'll introduce you, but we can't guarantee you'll get along. It's the Friday Husker Tailgates Opposition Disposition on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. And since Mike brought it up, um, before we before we get into the current team, we should recognize the passing yesterday of Illinois and Chicago Bears legend, University of Illinois and Chicago Bears legend, Dick Butkus passing yesterday. Um, guys, I don't know I don't know if you're you're old enough to to have this memory. I obviously wasn't old enough either to see him play in person or live or anything like that. But what I remember him from was when ESPN would show the NFL films uh, old tapes with the you know with the brass music in the background and the dramatic voice and all of that and that guy on those on those films Dick Butkus looked like the meanest baddest man I've ever seen play football mm-hmm. yep. I remember thinking that watching those things I was like not only does he look like he's just dominating out there he's doing it in an era where everybody has probably got to be tougher than I am than we are and, and even now and he looked like a scary man to play football against the highlight I've seen most of his was on a botched the field goal point. attack yeah, yeah. and the then he goal. ends up catching it and just holding the ball out to the defender. The dude on the Eagles then slaps it away. <laughs> kind of kind of reminiscent of uh, Nate, Nate Gary, Gary and Josh Allen, actually, oddly enough. Yeah. Yeah, it, he's one of those players that, like you said, with the ESPN Classic or ESPN, or NFL Films, really. NFL Films, NFL yeah. Films, and that voice, man. Oh, that, yeah. that is like one of those things from my childhood. I don't remember what it was on, but there would be always... They'd have the like classics, and you'd have these old highlights, and you would see him in those, and that stands out. But it's also the way people talked about him. Yeah, there was such reverence for him as a player uh, from the older people that when I first was watching football, and he, you know, 
in growing up in the era of which we did, there's a lot of Ray Lewis and Zach Thomas and Brian Urlacher, and there'd always be that guy who's like, you haven't seen Dick Butkus, he killed everyone. Right. It was like legal murder when he tackled running backs. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, and it really was. I mean, the, the way he was held in such reverence. I, there's not a lot of players that I feel like, you know, that you can just sit here that people know the name of that they never saw play. And they just know that he's a good player because of how he's talked about. And then, of course, his name is Dick Buckus. Yes. So yeah. He was but, always going to have a lasting legacy with that name. And he had actually a lot. The other thing we probably, at least I probably knew him a little bit more for, is that he did some some media. Um, he, he came on NFL Today in 1988, was an, an analyst there for a while. <laughs> Uh, also, he was a he was an actor as well. He was in the original Longest Yard. Yeah. Okay. He was in. That's what I thought you were going to talk about, and then all of a sudden it was NFL Today. He was on the NFL Today. He repl- he actually replaced Jimmy the Greek when they kicked Jimmy the Greek off of that. That was a big deal. Mo- when it that was happened. a big deal. Yeah. Uh, let's see. He was also in Gremlins Two: The New Batch. <laughs> <laughs> he was in uh, Necessary Roughness. Yeah. Uh, which you've seen that enough, you might remember that. He was on Any Given Sunday. He was in that movie, as some other players were. He was also a regular character on some TV shows, including My Two Dads. You anybody remember that? Uh, you probably got to be my age for that one. Also a regular on MacGyver, as well as an appearance on Murder, She Wrote, on all of these. So Also portrayed himself in Brian's song. So yeah, a, a, a lot of a lot of stuff, and I'm going to guess today they're going to have something special tonight at Illinois for uh, memories of pro- you know I assume they're probably their all time Red Grange is in there too, but all time best best player from Illinois football that uh, got an award named after him too here in college football. So uh, condolences to his family uh, and University of Illinois on on that loss. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Illinois this year and guys. If you want to feel a little positive about this game, okay, and, and we've been talking mainly about Nebraska, but if you want to be a little positive about this game, take a listen to some of these statistical rankings. And I know you're going to say, yeah, but Jack, Nebraska's not good at these things either. Well, okay. Or maybe you don't, you know, oh, I don't buy into st- It depends on your opponent. It depends on all of those things. Okay. I mean, I think probably Illinois and Nebraska, Illinois played Penn State. Nebraska's played Michigan, right? Illinois played a MAC team. Nebraska's played a uh, Sunbelt team. You know, so I don't know if it all equals out with Nebraska's the schedules. Nebraska's not played but, a Sunbelt team. Or a Conference USA team. There so, um, and, and a MAC team, I guess. That would have yep. been, that would have been the better thing to say there. Sure um, would have. So Illinois, Illinois, uh, in total offense actually rates higher than Nebraska nationally. They're 71st. Nebraska's 93rd, 93rd. So Illinois got the advantage there. Um, they've got the advantage in passing offense. Actually, 61st overall in passing offense. They've got some yards. Alt Myers transfer from Ole Miss, right? Came yep, over Ole from, from Ole Miss. Uh, <laughs> Ole Miss also transfers people out, not just in. Uh, and then scoring offense, they're 103rd, leading the Huskers in, who are 121st. Okay, So when it comes to passing offense, Illinois has had the better season right now. And Alt, Alt Myers been serviceable, I think, passing the ball. Uh, Isaiah Williams, uh, their receiver, we'll talk about him more in a second. Uh, they're trying to get the ball to him. They got a lot of passing yards, I think, too, that are just like little flicks forward to Williams because they're trying to get him the ball. But nonetheless, uh, they're doing okay. They're better than Nebraska has. Their rushing offense, 78th. So not looking great. Nebraska's still got the 13th 
best rushing offense and that's just doing absolutely in America. Nothing on Saturday. That's and that's on average, so it's not even because they played more or less games or something yep. than anyone else. They still are 13th in the nation to Illinois' 78th. But when you get to defense, when you get to defense, my goodness, the stats. Illinois, the 110th total defense in the nation to Nebraska's 36th. The rush D, 109th to Nebraska's 14th. The pass defense, 100, or pass efficiency defense, 63rd to Nebraska's 52nd. And the scoring defense, 102nd to Nebraska's 56th. So, I mean, across the board, Nebraska statistically has been better than Illinois defensively. And then turnover margin, you're like, well, there's where Nebraska's going to lose it. Nope. Same turnover margin, Nebraska and Illinois. Tied for 122nd. Third down. Yeah, I know. Third down off it. That means there's eight teams that are actually worse. I know. uh, That was my first uh, thought. Yeah. Well, maybe not. Maybe it's there's that many teams tied for 122nd that makes it last. I should have checked that. Uh, you know, you say maybe Nebraska hasn't been too good on third downs on offense this year. Yeah, that's that's fair. Nebraska's 82nd, right? Illinois, 118th. Two of 14 last week. Maybe you're like, oh, but yeah, but Nebraska's defense has not been able to get people off the field on third down. That's one of their Achilles heels. Yeah, you're right. Nebraska's 95th in that. Illinois, 122nd in that. The things Nebraska has been bad at. You know, had problems with defensively. All those things that we were talking about, about playmaking things, Illinois has been actually worse, right? Uh, Illinois has been better in red zone offense. They're 18th. That's actually one of their best statistical ratings. Nebraska's at 103rd. You might say, well, Nebraska's red zone defense is also rough. 95th. Illinois, 101st. So they've got all of these problems Nebraska's got, and it's almost worse. Uh, and p- add on to that, their penalties, they're 119th in the nation in penalties. So they're getting tons of penalties as well. Like, there's a, guys, I mean, we've seen too much of Nebraska to ever take a game on this way. But if you are somebody who's saying, hey, you know, I'm trying to figure out who to bet this game or what to do on this game, and you see Nebraska as an underdog and you see those statistical rankings, there's got to be people who are like, okay, this, am I missing something here with this? Just because Nebraska's got the statistical advantage in a lot of those things. But Let's talk about what Illinois has actually done this year. Danny's son is gone. It's now the Luke Altmeyer era in Illinois. Uh, Altmeyer, not only uh, Mike, not only a, a, a passer, he's shooting, he's shooting uh, 65% right now, shooting, passing at 65%, five touchdowns, seven picks. Vintage Big Ten West numbers for a quarterback. He can run a little bit, though, too, yeah. Altmeyer. Is he, you, that was what you were talking about yep. a little bit when we were talking about Deshaun Singleton. Now, he did that in the first two games of the year. I think he had like 129 yards total. Popped rushing. a big one against Kansas. I was watching that. Yeah. The last three games, I think he has 29 yards total. So yeah. it's it's hard to know if how much of that's going to be part of the offense. But I know for me, looking at this, Illinois, you can make one-dimensional because they haven't been able to run the ball very well. So if you are able to corral the quarterback run game or they don't use it much, Reggie Love, the third, has not really hurt teams. Uh, it's it's really going to come down to Isaiah Williams. How does Nebraska keep him from hurting you? So Isaiah, Especially in a soft zone all day. Yeah, Isaiah Williams is is the veteran wide receiver. He's one of those proverbial guys that you make fun of for being in the same place for years because I, I mean, legit, you re- legit remember when he went in and Pre-pandemic, went in at quarterback, I think, for Illinois against Nebraska. I legit remember when he was at Nebraska's Memorial Stadium for a uh, Friday Night Lights. <laughs> wow. Along with teammate Marcus Washington. Wow. 
Really? Interesting. Yeah. Cardinal yeah. Ritter prep. So I, I, Isaiah Williams, he's got 30 receptions by far, by far their biggest receiving threat. Got over twice as many yards as any other receiver. Hasn't scored a receiving touchdown this year. They'll get him some carries, too. And he only has four carries, but that kind of goes to, I think, what I was saying with Mike earlier is that I think they do some real short, low-risk, yeah. even shovel pass Just to things. get the ball in his hands because they get don't the have ball. anything else. So there's tackling when we're talking about that. Tackling with him. You know, they've got they've got a tight end who's got six receptions this year. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean I'm not trying to – there's – and again, I, I get it. Nebraska's offense is Nebraska's offense right now, but – yeah, you you would, and Reggie Love has given Nebraska problems in the past too. Yes, uh, yep. That's that's another thing to note on on this. Um, when it comes to here's the weird thing about Illinois' defense, right? So they got two NFL players on it, right? Like one of them a first rounder, I believe. Yeah, and Jerjon Newton. Yep. At this point, their their defensive ends are very good. Yeah, well, which uh, but you they were don't talking have about anything in the middle of that defense. Yeah, you were talking about Nebraska's tackles earlier, at, or, or one of Nebraska's sides with, talk the, about with the, the tackle mismatch in the game. Yeah, and it'd be going up against Newton, who very well could be the best, one of the best edge rushers in the country here at this point on that defense. But yet, boy, it hasn't really meant. How do you have? I get it, right? It, two players can't do everything. Because teams but, can just go right up the middle. Is that what it is? And then if you keep a tight end to chip, like they're effectively going to face two two blockers on every play. You can get the ball out quickly. I mean, that's what teams have largely done, and teams have just been able to run the ball. I mean, those say the rushing number again for their defense. The the rushing, you know, uh, in terms of rating, yeah. uh, the rushing defense number was uh, 109th in the nation compared to Nebraska's 14th. Yeah. Yeah. And you've got... Two Nebraska should ends. just be running the ball with Anthony Grant, Heinrich Harburg, Jeff Sims, if that's who they're going to play, and just continue to pound away because that's the where middle. the success is. It, it should look like in the, the movie Miracle after they lose where they line up to just again, 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 again just over and over. Yeah. yeah, boy, how frustrating would that be if you've got two two edge guys like that and you just can't, and especially with what your defense was last year because, my goodness, and of course – you know that's the that's the crazy thing is this team lost. Remember they came into Lincoln last year and 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 they had other games last year where you're like, wow, Bielema really did something with this program. Really did something. With they this were program. old and was, they had guys and they had NF. You know, I don't know how many of those guys. And, and Ryan Walters clearly was a big part of it. That's that's another point. That's a great point that I haven't thought about much of this week. Defensive coordinator for Illinois moved on. He's now the Purdue head coach, and Purdue gave it to Illinois last week. But it's it's guys. I got. I sort of started to get this romanticism about Brett Bielema and what a great coach he was here at this point to turn to turn that thing around. And I was like, maybe Nebraska should have hired him back when there were rumors that Harvey Perlman wanted him and those sorts of things. But the step back this year is a little bit. I don't know. Is it? It's a. I know it's surprising to you, Caleb. You thought they might be challenging for the division here this year. Yeah, you, you really thought, and I, I know Walter's no longer there, but. There was the thought with the, around their program that some of those guys that hadn't gotten all of the reps because of the guys in front of them were now going to be able to take advantage of those opportunities, and they just haven't. Yeah, yeah. Well, when Kevin Suits comes in, we'll ask him a little bit more because he's got you know great great insight there at the University of Illinois program and more about what he thinks about this team. A uh, little bit off the field, uh, Illini. Illini. You ever thought about it? What what's the deal with the name Illini? Is it just a shortening? Is it like a Philadelphia Phillies type thing? Well, well, be- if uh, if the track record holds, it's just another thing somebody made up somewhere. 
appears to have been first used in January 1874 when the weekly student newspaper changed changed its name from the student to the Illini. So the term was actually like the student. believed that it was coined in 1874 by that actual uh, that actual headline there, and then the term gained greater frequency in the next decade in the 1914 through 1916 football seasons. Um, but apparently, they started calling it Fighting Illini as part of a fundraising campaign preceding the construction of their Memorial Stadium. Which, interesting timing there on a number of fronts. <laughs> starting out a fundraising campaign and starting a nickname with it and the stadium that luckily did not burn down earlier at this point. So it sounds like that was really there. Um, and and then, you know, they used to have the Chief Alinawick thing. That's not a thing anymore there. Um, because th- there's the connection still... Um, with the American Indians, uh, um, the Algonquin tribes, basically, that were there when Illinois was settled, largely by the French at that point, uh, and that was where where that was. The word Illiniwek, or uh, it was a plural form of Illiniway, that means those who speak in the ordinary way. And so Illinois was actually named by these French explorers after these people. It was a consortium of Algonquin tribes that thrived in the area at the time. So probably more than you wanted to know about Illinois. But honestly, were, significantly more interesting than some of the other schools. Yeah, they were, and, and they were one of these fair. first schools when when the NCAA and others started kind of starting stripping away Native American imagery. Mid-2000s, that yeah. that they were they were uh, ones that changed. You know. I still see that logo, right, with the Chief Alinawek thing. That, that was, was before Nebraska even made it into the Big Ten. Yeah, yeah, this is like 05, 06. Yeah, I, I was thinking just the end of the Juice Williams era, basically. Yeah. The, the official rule from the, from the NCAA that, to where you would not be able to use the Native American imagery or you would not be allowed to uh, participate in the postseason yeah. was 07. Yeah, okay. And by the way, isn't it interesting how even Illinois – even Illinois, a couple of times, says last year was a good season. Probably could have been Big Ten West champs here, but then you had that other era that you were you were referring to. I'm trying Zook. to think. Who, yeah, during during the Zook era, they had a a team that had some NFL guys. Aurelius Ben. Thank you. I was trying to think who was Juice the running Williams, back. Williams. Uh, uh, Mendenhall. R- uh, yes, yes. Rashad Mendenhall. One of the great writers for uh, Ballers. I bet you didn't know that. No, I did not. That is interesting. Uh, no, well, no, you you asked why. Our keyword was Kingfisher. Yeah, because there it's, it's it passed their student senate a few years ago that they're trying to change their mascot, and they've had him oh. show up unofficially, the belted Kingfisher, or just earlier this fall. Interesting. Would they keep Illini as the name then? I think they would. Okay, so just a a, a different stays mascot with the there. stays with the blue and orange. Uh, all right, notable alums. This is an interesting list. We had an interesting list with Michigan. This is a really interesting <laughs> cast of characters. Um, maybe if you're having a party, the most interesting one to have, uh, because you've got uh, Hugh Hefner, you have got Dan Fogelberg, you've got Nick Offerman, Ooh. you've got Gene Hackman, and then if you need people to fund the party, you've got Larry Ellison, who was just named, we talked about him yesterday on the show, one of the top ten richest people in America per Forbes magazine from Oracle. You got Roger Ebert, the late Roger Ebert. You got, uh, speaking of other people who could fund the party, Shahid, Shahid Khan, who is the owner of the Jag, J- uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, you've got, you may not know this name, Mary Elizabeth uh, Mastri Antonio, Gina Montana and Scarface, Tony Montana's sister and Scarface. 
uh, Jesse Jackson, and then Betsy Brant, another name you may not know, but you know her as Marie in Breaking Bad. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. You said that, and I was like, that's uh <laughs> You've seen her Bad. name in credits. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's that the only is. reason I would know it. All right, that is it for Opposition Disposition. Grab a break. 49 degrees in the capital city. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends. Friday Husker Tailgate on KLIN. To the Huskers, home and away. Welcome to KLIN. Now streaming live on your Amazon device and at KLIN.com. I will now connect you to the live stream. I'm just Brad Anderson. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, welcome back. Friday Husker tailgate. And, well, the, the 1011 News travel plans uh, benefit the Friday Husker tailgate today because Kevin Suits in studio with us, not in Champaign or on the way to Champaign right now. Hello, Kevin. How are you doing? I'm good. Good you, morning. You get to stay home this weekend, huh? First time since Nebraska and Illinois have played as conference members that I have not gone on this trip. Wow. All right. All I, right. I love the trip. You know, I more than... I think anybody else that makes the trip regularly within the media core, of course, I uh, graduated from the University of Illinois. Right. I grew up about 30 minutes from the stadium. So, you know, for you guys, when mom and dad took you to games when you're really young and that's the foam finger you got and those are the programs you still have, uh, you know, with dust on them in a closet, that's what Illinois football is to me. I also served as an usher in high school because my aunt was one of the lead ushers, and our usher, our nice. section at Memorial Stadium was on the field. So I remember giving like Tim Biakabatuka a high five <laughs> as he was walking past me. Um, and then, that's a name! Wow, yeah, I, I mean that's just one of many yeah. uh, the the players. I don't know why that's the one that came. That's to a my good mind. one. <laughs> um, saw some amazing games there uh, growing up, and then when I was in college, I worked in the Illinois recruiting office. So uh, spent game days helping out the coaching staff. So so a lot of background there. So I'm I'm curious. You know, we we really should add you in on the last conversation we had because you have done a better job at it than I did. But Illinois this True. year has surprised me. Thank you. Illinois this year has, has surprised me just because I thought. And I said, I thought maybe the program had turned a little bit of a corner um, under Bielema last year. And I understand that they lost a lot from last year. But I also thought maybe Bielema had a lot to do with what happened last year. They lost a defensive coordinator and they lost personnel. How surprised are you about how how poorly really this season has gone for them this year? Well, they had multiple guys selected in the NFL draft. And there seemed to be a ton of momentum. And even preseason-wise, when the Big Ten West... Uh, preseason rankings came out, you figured that that is a team that could possibly contend for the division. Yeah, I, don't I think, thought so. I don't think anybody, whether in Champaign, Illinois, across the Big Ten, saw a 2-3 and three start with this team coming because, like you mentioned, Jack, there was so much momentum. They finished second in the Big Ten West last year. Yeah. They were at the final week of the regular season in still in the picture to possibly play for the league title. Yeah. And now they're 0-2 in conference play, and they haven't looked great. And, you know, we we talk about how for Nebraska, this is a game that really your bull possibility could hinge on it if people still want to think about that. It's kind of the same thing for Illinois. Yeah. Yeah, and and the thing that surprised me, I think the most, and and you know, I know I know Walters left, and and you had a new defensive coordinator, and that plays into it. But I knew you still had uh, at least a solid, really, really solid couple of guys up on that defensive front. And I thought, you know, and and maybe the best edge rusher in the in the in the uh, whole conference here in Newton, and he's going to be playing on on Sundays as well. And I knew they were replacing a lot of others, but the way that that defense has gotten run on is still, again, maybe one of the most 
surprising things in the entire conference for me this year. Run defense, pass defense isn't good yeah. as well. You know they lost they lost Witherspoon, who right. uh, was a top draft pick. Now starting with the Seahawks, pick six on Monday. Yeah. Looks good. Yeah, yeah, you saw how good he was. He looked, Sorry, Kenny. He, he looked great in Lincoln. They, you know, <laughs> Illinois right now is giving up more than thirty points per game. They rank last in the Big Ten in rushing defense, and that's pretty crazy to me considering you have Newton and Randolph up front defensively how are they allowing teams to run it's yeah. because their linebacker play is pretty weak um and they've tried multiple guys on the back end of their defense nothing seems to click and i think everybody is seeing how good of a coach Ryan Walters is yeah. you know he left and took the head coaching job at Purdue and a young and upcoming coach you've heard me say before i'm a huge fan of Ryan Walters yeah. um and, and the guys clearly believed in his system and in him, and he was able to maximize the talent he had. And, and the roster just naturally is not as good this year as it was yeah. last year. That had to be a deflating loss for a fan base when your old defensive coordinator beats you. It's just, I'm sure it's frustrating yeah. at that point. I mean, this is not that Ryan Walters and Brett Bielema had coached together for a long time, but still, it's the guy that you knew was a really big part of their success last year. He leaves, and then, you know, Illinois, Purdue, that's one of the 900, you know, uh, trophy games within the Big Ten. They play for something, the cannon, and uh, they they it's didn't a little get it. cannon, right? It's a, it's a little, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's we're not wheeling a cannon across the field. <laughs> I've definitely won that on NCAA video games in the past. <laughs> that's go. good. Yeah. Congratulations, probably on that. for Purdue, if I'm being honest, Kevin. Because <laughs> you. I th- I thought I thought you liked to run the ball. Yeah, sure, with Purdue you're uh, passing it. No, I know, but I I think I just like their stadium a little bit more, and then I gotta think I I think I gotta <laughs> play for the old oak and doesn't bucket doesn't catch on way. fire. I guess. Jeez. Um, yeah, that was that was crazy. Uh, Mike thought, and I think he's right. You know, Nebraska the, the way teams have have been able to run. You alluded to this too, Kevin is is kind of just in the middle, and you sort of try and take out take out those star edge rushers that you've got there defensively. Do you think this is finally the game where Anthony Grant gets just huge carry numbers. Can Nebraska, can Nebraska ever really stick to that? And would that be a good formula for Illinois, against Illinois? Yes, that would be a good formula. Will it happen? Uh, I think I guess we'll find out tonight. But this is the game. If you're looking at the remaining games on Nebraska's schedule of where he can really establish the run, get into a rhythm, because I think that Anthony Grant might be better in a rhythm than just a pinch hitter. I think so too. And yeah. you know, given the injuries that have unfolded for Nebraska, this yields itself, lends itself to be in a situation where you know, like just feed Ag, let him get his four or five yards a pop, and you know he's going to hit a big one. And by big one, I I mean twenty. Yards, right? Which I think a fan would love to see a twenty-yard run. Now, right. I think you know. he could do bigger than that. I mean, Absolutely. against Louisiana Tech, we saw it, and Illinois' yeah. defense isn't exactly yeah stout but, at the moment. But Mike, to, to that point, you know, we we say this before a lot of games. Like this is this is the game where you really dedicate really dedicate yourself to the running back and to the tailback running game here. It seems like you go in thinking that needs to happen, and it rarely actually happens. What is that? Why do I get that well, so often that that's the case? We do it from the perception of this is what other teams have done in the past. They're doing it from the perception of this is what we're getting on the field. So they have to counteract whatever Illinois' defense is going to look like. If Illinois puts nine guys in the box and they basically stack them all in the middle and they're like, okay, run behind your tackles to the outside – that's not exactly Nebraska's best game plan at the moment. So I, some of it, like when we talk about the game, 
We do it from the perspective of what we have seen that has happened. When they're game planning, they're doing it from the perspective of what has happened, but also what the other team is going to do. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think yeah. sometimes that gets lost in the but translation. But I mean, how many post-game shows or, or texts or tweets have you guys got where you're like, they went away from a run game that was working? Well, I but mean, the thing it is, always happens. The, it, it's difficult, and fans don't want to hear this, but they've, they're transitioning a program. Like, they have to figure out what they have in every facet of offense. It's not just Kevin and I sitting down playing video games and running 70 plays. <laughs> 65 of them are ISOs up the middle because we can. Sounds fun. But yes. I am oh, shortening hey, the game. You know what's really fun? Play a Gen Zer and do that. It will drive them insane. <laughs> I also feel like it would drive you insane, which is the opposite uh, of Gen Z, too. Yeah, but. no, I do it. I do it. I dish <laughs> um, it out mainly. So it, you know, like. We get really reductive sometimes with how it should look and what should happen, and they have an entirely different job. Like, they have to figure out what their offense is, who these pieces are. So, you would see people get really upset during Northern Illinois and Louisiana Tech, and it's like they need these games to figure out what Heinrich Harburg can do in the passing game to see if they have other receivers that can emerge. It can't just be we're just going to run, 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 run. They did it in the fourth quarter. What did it look like? They were able to run away from both of those teams. Mm-hmm. But they know that they can get there, but they also have to figure out what else they can do. I'm, and so tonight, I expect them to be able to run the ball, but you're still going to have to throw it you know, every now and then. You still have to figure out what you can do in your passing offense. You're still learning about your team. You're still going to try to get guys like Jalen Lloyd and other receivers in. So it can't just be 90% run. And here's the other thing. For all of the whining about that, and yeah, it is whining, and you know who you are. You're a whiner. They've run the ball 62% of the time this year. Yeah. 62% uh, of the time. I don't know. I just they've still, lost games 36 to 14, 45 to 7, and they've run the ball 62% of the time. I don't know, Mike. So what are you crying about I, if you're complaining that they're not running I enough? just have something my in my mind, That's in my good. heart, that wants to see Anthony Grant 27 carries. Like which, I just, like which I just fine. Like, I just want to see possible. it. Yeah. Um. What did what was Gabe Urban's high with the the Northern Illinois game before he got hurt? It would have been even more. I think he was at twenty. Do you have that man? Okay. I, I think yeah. it was twenty. Okay. I think. Yeah. Um. And Anthony Grant carried it twenty two times against uh, Louisiana Tech. Yeah. Oh, did he? Yeah. Okay. So I like, like that. There's there's this perception <laughs> that they're not doing. You're it. right. Okay. Fair and enough. It, fair enough. It's not backed up in either reality statistics or what has to happen as you grow as a program so right. run the ball guy is actually run the ball more guy yeah run the ball guy wants it to or, be an 80 percent clip or because he thinks that they're running it at a 40 percent clip because he can't do math <laughs> or he's, be, i need to learn math guy or, or, he's, or he's run the ball as much as they actually are guy i just need to realize it which is kind of what i just did there um kevin let's switch to the other side of the ball i'm curious how did the michigan game impact sort of your thoughts on on nebraska's defense who they are and what their potential is for the rest of the big 10 season well i still think they can tackle uh i think that there are some holes on the defense that maybe were masked based on either who they were playing previously before the michigan game um and, and the pass rush really needs to show up i guess that's my biggest takeaway from uh, analyzing Nebraska's defense following the Michigan game is they couldn't get home with J.J. McCarthy. I yeah. mean, he carved them up, and he could have been, you know, somebody made a post or a comment about, I guess Michigan doesn't want J.J. McCarthy to be in the Heisman conversation because his numbers could have been doubled what they were. Uh, they kept it pretty simple <laughs> against Nebraska. Yeah. Uh, so, 
I know they didn't have Cam Linhart, but the pass rush needs to be more than Cam Linhart. Princewell, uh, he played quite a bit in the game. So if there's one thing that I'm looking at for tonight's game with Nebraska's defense is can they get home? Uh, and they need to because Luke Altmeyer, the quarterback for Illinois, he's not Tommy DeVito. Um, or as we call him on the show, Danny's son. Yes. So if he's Danny... <laughs> I had to think about that reference for way too long. So who's Altmeyer's dad? Uh, Jeff. Okay. okay. Jeff Altmeyer. Sure. All right. Jay, good old J.A. Old man Altmeyer. <laughs> he'll, he'll put the ball up for grabs. So you've got to create some pressure. Um, he has seven interceptions on this season. Sorry, I got off your question. Yeah, that's all right. Uh, but defensively, that's yeah. kind of the way I analyze the Michigan game and then how it applies to tonight's game. Yeah. Uh, that Illinois offense, I mean, it looks, it, it, it looks, you know, Love has hurt Nebraska before. His numbers aren't spectacular. Love has hurt, Love has hurt me before, too. Uh, but the karma police needs to be playing right now. <laughs> but, uh, you Are we know, talking about the player or just the feeling? <laughs> the, I, I was going to say I think it was player for him. The I player, went to the feeling. but um, we're on the precipice of writing a Pixar movie right now. <laughs> uh, the leading rusher for Illinois, uh, Reggie Love, has oh. hurt Nebraska before. <laughs> he's still, I mean, he's averaging five point six yards per carry this year. Uh, but for 248 yards, like they're not. I mean, it's it's not what they were doing with Chase Brown last year. I guess. Buddy's brother, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if everybody gets that. But no, yeah, Reggie, his production is contingent on how Illinois' offensive line is. And that is the one group that has really taken a step backwards from last year to this year. Because Brett Bielema teams consistently, whether it's at Wisconsin, Arkansas, and now at Illinois, he tends to always have good offensive linemen who are just these rough and tough, knock you off the ball kind of players. But this group is not doing that this year. Um, and Reggie Love has kind of suffered the uh, you know the result of that. He, he doesn't have many alleys to run through. Uh, they're having a hard time getting a push up front just when, like, on a third and three situation. They've gotten stuffed on that multiple times. In fact, their third down conversion percentage, not very good. Uh, but they will score in the red zone uh, yeah. if they get there. So yeah. Reggie Love, I still think he's a good ball player. It's just he's. Well, they're not even giving him that. He, I mean, he's got 44 carries. Altmeyer well, has 47, and then McCray has 43. Because Altmeyer carries it. Yeah. You know, they, they, for whatever reason, they're letting the quarterback run the ball more than, well, not more overall, but quite a bit. And they yeah. could be giving Reggie Love the third, the ball a little bit more than they are. But uh, that tells that, you they don't believe in the offensive line a ton because they yeah. need the quarterback. Like, it's different well, when you're blocking in a quarterback run game because you just try to get in the way. Relative to the push you need to have in a in a running back dominant offense, and and Kevin, I assume you expect that they're going to try and get Isaiah Williams the ball in a whole lot of different ways because he appears to again be there. I mean, he's been a solid weapon for that team for a long time, frankly. But they'll try and get him the ball multiple ways, I would guess. Yeah, he was signed as a quarterback. Yeah, and they tried to have him play. Well, they did have him play quarterback here and there, and that was one of the big storylines with Illinois when he arrived on campus five years ago. Was you know is he going to be the guy? And as a as a freshman, they, they just couldn't play him at quarterback yet. So that's where they started moving him around uh, within the offense. And uh, he's a fast, shifty guy, more of a slot receiver than an edge guy that's going to beat you downfield. Uh, but they find ways to move him around, get him in some creases, and get him the football and let him run. Because he, he's a great athlete uh, out of the St. Louis area. 
I think their overall vision for him when he arrived on campus was he's possibly the next Juice Williams. Yeah. And now he's just turned into a really solid wide receiver. In fact, I believe he's 10th all time at Illinois in receptions and with the chance to move even right. higher on the charts. He's a proverbial guy who feels like he's been there forever. Every, every team's got one. But yeah, he's got, got no receiving touchdowns, by the way, this year, but 30 receptions uh, for an average of 14 yards per reception. Remember so. Jamal Turner at Nebraska? Yeah. Like the way that Nebraska used. Jamal is the way Illinois uses uh, Isaiah Williams. Interesting. All right. Uh, great preview on both sides of the ball there for Kevin Suits. But now we'll see what he and all of us know about what else is going to happen in college football. It is time for the picks right after this. It's 849. You're listening to the Friday Husker Tailgate on KLIN. Your home for Husker football is 1499.3. Presented on KLIN by Liberty First Credit Union. Apologist Brad Anderson. Bragging rights mean everything to these guys. So, let the trash talk begin. It's time to call your shot in the Friday Husker Tailgate Pickskin Picks of the Week. Brought to you by Exchange Bank on 1499.3 KLIN. Well, the standings are tight, but they're still kind of staying the same. First place, Ty, Kevin, and Caleb uh, both got three last week, so still tied at 18. Mike had the best week last night. Last week. He got four. He didn't even know it. He thought he did the worst. Yeah. Uh, he's got 17, and I also had three, so I uh, got 16. Uh, closest on Nebraska and Michigan, Caleb and Mike split that. I did get my upset cover with Louisiana. No one else did. We are cold. Upsets usually play a much bigger part uh, than they have We're all just inching along at this point. Yeah, a- absolutely. Uh, so our games this week. We're going to do uh, SEC, LSU at Missouri, uh, Oklahoma versus Texas, future SEC, I guess, uh, Washington State at UCLA, Alabama at Texas A&M. So let's go around the horn. Why are you laughing at already? The conference realignment, just what that does to that whole thing. It's like Washington State, UCLA is going to be a non-conference game yeah, soon. That's true. A&M used to be in the Big 12 and its conference right. game. Was, that's a good yeah. point. So <laughs> that's why I laughed. Turns out college football is changing. Uh, all right. Uh, I'm just going to do it because i got to go around the table this way. So, Caleb, you go first, and then we'll go Kevin, then Mike, then me. LSU at Missouri. Go Tigers. And I know there's two Tigers, but if you ever give me LSU for the whole year or for eternity, I'm going to say it like that. LSU's got two losses already, Kevin. You think they uh, rebound here? I think LSU wins here. Uh, my coworker uh, Chase Madison, who's actually at Illinois uh, for tonight's game, is going to catch that game because he went to Missouri on the way back. Ooh. Do half the people at Missouri are they named Chase between Chase Kaufman and Chase Daniel and this Chase that you know? It's a, a lot of Chase. <laughs> there's six at people at Missouri. Yeah, Missouri if my math say, is right. Yeah. Uh, well, it's probably uh, just statistically there's got to be a bunch named more. Chase. <laughs> All right, uh, who you got? Uh, I am going to go with LSU. I have no reason for it. Just yeah. LSU. I don't know. I think, you know, it pains me to say it, but I think Missouri might be a little bit good this year. Um, I watched that Kansas State game. Do you game. think that, or are you chasing the play? I was pressed, and I'm a little bit chasing, but uh, it's a combination of those two things. So I'll take Missouri on that one. All right. Uh, it the Texas State Fair, Oklahoma and Texas. I'll go Texas here. Is anybody going to think about taking Oklahoma? I'll Kevin? take Texas. Yeah. I took Iowa State to cover against Oklahoma. I don't think the Sooners are really that good. I think Texas is going to win by a larger amount than 
Yeah, that's what I want. Like, is this just a, is this a pre? Because the Big Twelve still has a championship, right? This right. year, are they, are they just going to play again then in the Big Twelve championship? Is that going to uh, happen? Hoping we see something. Is there else. anybody else in the Big Twelve who's even going to challenge? Kansas, I thought though? would be. I thought Kansas State would be a little bit better. They're not what I thought. Uh, I thought Texas Tech would be a little bit better. They're not yeah, what I thought. So I, it might be a rematch be later. I don't. Two. Is Texas like? Are they just going to keep winning? Are they? Are, is it? Are we <laughs> are, looking? Are at they a, back? Are we looking at a Texas Michigan national championship? Wow. I would actually I'd be okay with that. So do you take Texas too then? Uh, I'll take Texas yeah. too. Yeah, sorry. All right. Uh, into the uh, Pac-12 for now, Washington State at UCLA. Caleb? Uh, keep me with that Pac-2 team. You're going to Washington, Washington State. State. Okay, okay. Kevin? I got UCLA at home. Not that they have a great home field advantage, but I'll take the Bruins. All right. Desmond Howard's a jerk. Go Washington State. <laughs> I've been impressed with Washington. I've been really impressed with Washington State this year and, and Cam Ward. So I'm going to go with Washington State on that one, too, uh, with the road underdog there by a few points. All right. Alabama at Texas A&M. A&M historically has been one of one team that's kind of been a thorn in an almost invincible Alabama. Can it continue this week, Caleb? We'll go gig them. All right. Wow. Okay. A&M there. That's, that means he's picking A&M. Uh, <laughs> Kevin? Nick Saban's going to coach circles around Jimbo Fisher. I got Bama. <laughs> Mike? Alabama. I'm going to go Texas A&M, too. Right, Maybe chasing go. a little bit, but I'm going to go Texas That's our first 2-2 in a while, I yeah. feel like. Yeah. Uh, all right. Upsets here. Who do you have in the upset game, Caleb? I, I think we all just need points. Ohio State has covered the spread once this year. Give me Maryland plus Ooh, the 20. Okay. All right. Kevin? I had considered that. I, I don't like the options for upset picks this week. Uh, <laughs> I think it's kind of a lame week. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go Syracuse plus 8.5 over North Carolina. That's not bad. I like that one. It's like a lame week. I'm a lame guy and Wisconsin's a lame team. Give me Rutgers. <laughs> I'm going Friday night special for my second monitor. I know it's bad in Oklahoma State, but they're giving up like double digits at home to Kansas State tonight. I think it's 13. Uh, so I'm going to take Oklahoma State on that one, getting double digit points at home against K-State. All right. Now the Nebraska score. Caleb, you are first. 14 to 11. Nebraska. <sighs> All right. That sounds like Friday night football in <laughs> Champaign. I'm going to go Nebraska 21, Illinois 19. Ooh, you're taking the Huskers, huh? Okay. Kevin, who was a special guest on the Hypecast this week, took 19. I also took 19 because Illinois plays in weird score games. Nebraska 26, Illinois 19. All right, and I will take Nebraska 20, Illinois 16. So there you go. Thanks for joining us, Kevin, Mike. We'll see all the rest of you next week. It is 9 o'clock on KLI and Lincoln. Listen to the Friday Husker Tailgate every Friday this fall. Presented by Syracuse Area Health, Strasburger Orthopedics on 1499.3 KLIN.